Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. everybody welcome back to the uh, big 12 country podcast i'm Corey, your host for the day we're here with kindle yep we're here and we got the mighty jockstrap back in the house woo uh we're minus uh brady and colin today they had some stuff they had to do so we're gonna this is uh by the way this is saturday what is this the 31st is this it new is. year's okay. new year's eve yes so this is the 31st uh we're recording this prior to the uh, playoff games so although we may not get this stuff out to you for some of our playoff stuff at least we'll say it was on record if we do something genius. So uh, we're gonna we're also a little bit about this show. It's gonna be a little bit of a busy show. We're gonna try to preview uh, the Sugar Bowl. We're gonna get into OU Auburn because that's the only Big Twelve game left on the slate, and that's the one we haven't really got into much. Uh, we're gonna be joined by a guy that writes for a website that covers OU, and we'll let you a little a little more information about that here in a little bit. Um, but first, I kind of like to go around the table a little bit today. Uh, since last time we were up here. We didn't. There wasn't really a Big Twelve game that had been played yet. I'm not. Even, I don't even think had Baylor been played no. to that point. So yeah, we we've been off since then. So there's been a lot happening the last few days, basically. Um, kind of, you know, going around and and we'll get into the Big Twelve ones here specifically. So if you don't want to get into those, you don't have to yet. But if you do, fine. Uh, just kind of the bowl games that you've had a chance to watch. Anything crazy you've seen, or there's something you want to bring up, or you just thought was you know maybe you didn't see it coming, or a result maybe. Um, I'd say two two games that I I found very interesting. One was the Baylor game. They totally surprised me the way they came out and played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I guess we'll talk about more of that in depth here in a second. But I my, I was really shocked by that. And the other game was last night was the uh, Florida State Michigan game. That, that was the nice. first half was kind of slow and kind of you know kind of a little bit boring. But the mm-hmm. second half, man, it was it was pretty entertaining. Yeah. My, my prediction was wrong about Baylor. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people missed uh, that one. Oh, dang you, Boise State. Um, yeah, that one in particular, man. That one, I, I'd say by far this week, um, that's that one was the biggest shocker to me. And not necessarily that Baylor won, just how they won. I mean, it yes. was absolute just taking them apart. Um, part of me kind of wondered if Boise was all the way hooked up and ready for that. Maybe they read some of the press clippings. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe man. they listened to our show. Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> well, well, the bad but, thing was whenever Katie Cannon was out there and they would line a guy, you know, the, the cornerback would be – 10 yards off of him, oh, and know. they would just stand up and throw the ball right to him, and they did it over and over and over again, and they did nothing to change it up. See, that's what killed me. Like, if you've watched film of Baylor at all, they exposed that. Like, I mean, the biggest, most infamous case of that ever when they played Oklahoma and Norman a few years ago, when Mike Stoops, the reason he's now in the booth, because him and the safety was getting into it, uh, they just basically, oh, he was lined up 10, 7 yards off the receiver or so, and they were just sitting there playing catch right in front of them yeah. and getting 5, 6, 8, 10 yards at a time, and there's like they wouldn't come up and make a play on it. It's like, Boise, if you've watched any film at all on Baylor, you can't do that because they'll take it. They'll yeah. just sit there. and t- It's like taking candy from a baby for them. Absolutely. And another thing was that they, they never really tried to put pressure on him. They, they would try to rush forward every time and play zone behind it. Well, you know, he was able to just sit back there, 
take his time, find the open guy, and hit him. I mean, what, mm-hmm. it was like pitch and catch the entire time. They never put, they never made it hard on, on the quarterback to make a good throw. That's the other thing I was blown away by. Like, I could not believe how much um, is it Smith? Zach, Zach Smith? Is that his name? The quarterback for Baylor? I'm trying to remember his name now. Wait, here, I'll. I'll uh, I think it's Zach Smith. Sorry, we've had a few busy days. Been off. <laughs> I think it's Zach Smith. Whatever his name is, the freshman quarterback. Man, he. He looked so much better in this game. Oh man! I mean, it. I I know we kind of talked about it on the show, the preview. We said, you know, if for some reason he comes out and he's slinging it all over the field, wait a minute, this is a whole new ball game. Yes. It was Zach Smith. It is Zach Smith. Okay, yeah. Um, we just, I just didn't say, I didn't think he would be that ready yet because from what I'd seen of him, and granted, I think some of that Big Twelve offenses, our defenses are more familiar with Baylor, so they kind of know their tendencies and maybe how to play it, even though he's a new quarterback, how to how to handle that system, even though he's a different person than Russell. Uh, and maybe, you know, Boise didn't to some degree, but he did, He was just on fire. I mean, now, Katie Cannon made him look like a superstar a few times. That one right. catch he made early in the end zone, good Lord, man. Well, you know, this right here is a prime example to me of why a bowl game is important. Because we talk about Baylor, you know, not going with all the stuff they have going on. Would it be better for them not to go with all the stuff that's going on? Would it be better for them just to go re- let the coaches recruit, things like that? Well, mm-hmm. This is a prime example of what, what's good about bowl game is, mm-hmm. you know, Smith struggled there towards the end of the season, and he got that little three-week window there to really practice and get better and just focus on his game. And when he came out in the bowl game, he looked like a different quarterback than he did all season long. So that, that, that's this is what makes the bowl games good for the coaches. This is why coaches like going to bowls. Mm-hmm. And good for the players, too, because, I mean, I think Katie Cannon's draft stock probably went up a little bit in that game. Oh, I'd say so, too. Especially if he ends up playing in one of the uh, – he's not a senior. He's a no, junior, he's junior. So he probably, I mean, although they do let some juniors play in those senior bowls and stuff, um, you know, he may play in that. It could help him, too. But I definitely think it went up over that little period there. Um, kind of moving on to the next part of what we've seen this week. Um, what player – and like I said, this could be Big 12 if you want. This could be national, whatever. What player, offensive or defensive, have kind of pressed you the most so far in the bowl season? Maybe, maybe somebody that surprised you even. Or is there just somebody that you knew was good but they just went out and proved it? That, I'd say Dalvin Cook yesterday. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That, I mean, yeah. I know he's really good and he's been good for three years, but you know, I was he, he's one of those guys where you bottle him up, you bottle him up, you think he's not going anywhere, then all of a sudden mm-hmm. it's sixty yards. I mean, mm-hmm. he's so he's so explosive, and if you give him just a smallest little crease, mm-hmm. he's gone, and he's so good out of the backfield catching the ball too. I mean, he he's going to be a very good NFL running back. Yep, I, that's what we talked about before. I know, especially me and Colin, I know have had the discussion. I'm not convinced he's not better than Fournette. Uh, especially when it comes to being the total package. Fournette has never shown the ability to come out of the backfield and catch the ball or anything like that. Whereas you got like guys like Joe Mixon and uh, for and uh, the guy we're talking about. Cook. Cook. <laughs> I was trying to think of, I kept wanting to call him Walker. Cook, where uh where they're really good and uh, you know, so we'll see. Uh, I think he could be a really good NFL pro. And if uh him of course the one downside to him and Fournette, they've been a little injury prone, a little banged up. Um Maybe not necessarily serious injuries, but, you know, there's those guys that just never can't quite get healthy that maybe end up with those two are. What's up, Jockstrap? M- mine was Lamar Jackson. Like, you know, like, you would never think Louisville was good until you saw Lamar Jackson the first game. They play already this year in both seasons? They're playing right now. Oh, they're playing right now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I was saying, I don't remember seeing them play. That's right. They're playing LSU, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, that should be a pretty good game. Um, okay, kind of moving on a little bit here. If uh, – I guess we can go ahead and do that now. Do you want to go ahead and get into you guys' picks for the playoffs since we'll go ahead and throw that in real quick? We'll, yep. we'll get this recording out the day of the playoffs. Yeah. So, um, st- kind of starting off with Clemson. 
or Alabama, Ohio State, you know, who, who you guys, Washington, who you think is going to come out of this thing? Obviously, the first matchup being Washington, Alabama. Yeah, I, I just, I just don't think. I mean, just looking at it on paper and everything, and judging by what the Pac-12 has been this year, I just don't see how Washington can compete in the game against Alabama. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I feel like they might be able to stick with him for a couple quarters, but then the athletic talent and, and the overall ability and the depth of Alabama, especially, yeah. is going to take over that game. Yeah, the bench on Alabama is bit. And the 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 recruits on Alabama's bench is better than the recruits that Washington has on the field. Yeah, well, you're probably right. In a lot of ways, they are. Yeah. Um, you know, but Alabama literally has five star players coming off the bench, and five stars that would be playing right now for other big powerhouse teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they Alabama. The thing about Washington is, I I kind of feel like this could go similar to the Michigan State Alabama game last year. Um, Washington has a little better offense. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're that quarterback's a way better passer than uh, what's his name was for Michigan State last year. But I don't know how much more that's going to help because I feel like this Alabama defense is even better than last year. I think so too. So I don't know how much you know how much he's really going to be able to make up there. Um, you know the big the big thing Alabama's weakness if they have one on defense is definitely the pass defense. I mean right. they're not really their corners are great. It's just when you really start. I mean it's just like anything else. Like we saw in Michigan State or Michigan last night. With Florida State, you start putting a lot of really good athletes in space and stretching these defenses out that aren't used to it, they're going to break. They're going to fracture in places. Uh, I feel like that's what you saw in Michigan last night. Even with Peppers out, I think that would have happened even if he played some to some degree. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, And I think that's what can happen with Washington, but I don't know that Washington's going to have time. I mean, that's what I think too. this defensive line for Alabama, this front seven period is just so lethal, man. And, and, Brown, and Browning, as good as he's been all year, the, his one negative is, is if you get some pressure on him, he he can make mistakes, mm-hmm. and I expect Alabama to put some pressure on him. Yeah, because I I don't I don't really know a whole lot of people that can block consistently block Alabama's defensive line mm-hmm. play in play out. The spread so. oh, the spread's picking Alabama to win thir- by thirteen and a half. Yeah, it's it's one of the bigger lines I've seen in a postseason yeah. game like this in a long time. Um, the one thing that too Saban is just so creative with his blitz schemes and stuff. I mean, yep. he brings them from he'll bring those unbalanced looking formations and then bring somebody from completely the other side of the field you never saw coming. And I mean, that's like that's what I love about watching him versus like Mike Stoops. Mike is just so un um, creative pre snap. Like you don't see a lot of things. You pretty much know what everybody on the field is going to do, or where they're at, or where they're lined up, and you know. Saban, he'll bring guys up on the line of scrimmage and then back them out and then move them around. You just see, and even Venables, when Venables was here, he did a lot more of that zone blitz type stuff where you thought guys were coming and they dropped out and didn't. You know, you just you just don't see that much creativity with Stoops. No, um, it's really fun watching somebody like that when they do that. Um, so yeah, we'll see with watching yeah, cool. the other game, Clemson and um, Ohio State. Ohio State. Man, I, I this game to me is going to be a ball game. I. Yeah. I'm leaning towards Ohio State a little bit, but I mean, if Clemson were to win this game, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, it, it's oh. to me, it's going to be the the better of the two ball games by far. But I mean, I, I'm leaning a little towards Ohio State because they got Urban Meyer, and it seems like whenever, whether you like him or not, whenever they go into big time ball games, mm-hmm. somehow or another, he has his team ready to play, and, yep. and they they respond well to whatever he's doing. So I mean, I, that's the reason why I give him the slight edge. But that being said, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me at all if Clemson were to come out and win this ball game. I feel like, you know, if you, if you put these two teams at their peak ability, I feel like Clemson's a little more dangerous, especially offensively. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. Um, but I just, 
I haven't been that impressed with Clemson this year for the most part. They don't show any consistency. They do seem to somewhat rise to the challenge a little bit this year, meaning like they'll play down and they'll play up based on their competition. That's how they got beat by Pitt, in my opinion. Um, and, but they, you know, and then they play up with Louisville and go crazy in that one. Um, Watson, I'm sorry, I hate to break it to him. He got all defensive when people said this, but he hasn't been as good this year as he was last year. Um, he, he just he's been more turnover prone. And to me, like I said, going into the games last year, I didn't feel like he was that great of a passer anyway. Like he's good as a whole total package when everything's firing. Yeah, he's dangerous. But when he's forced to sit back there and be a polished passer, he's not that great of a passer. Um, there's a lot of room for improvement there. So, you know, if, if Ohio State can do that, keep him in the pocket, force him to beat you from the pocket, uh, you know, much like people try to do with Mayfield and quarterbacks like that, then you can get somewhere with him. I, I just don't know. And as far as defensively, I mean, this Clemson defense isn't what it has been the last two years. Um, you know, in my opinion, they're probably the best team in that, although I still say Florida State's everybody's talented. Or actually, probably more talented. They just had – I would consider more intangible problems that, you know, things that necessarily weren't on the field that I think chemistry problems and such. But um, Clemson's pretty talented, you know, in the ACC compared to everybody else. And I feel like this is definitely going to be the most talent they're going to have to play. So Yeah. Well, I think one reason why Watson's numbers may be down a little bit this year is because that defense is not as good as it was last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's having to make a few more plays, you know, to ha- having to, to respond to scores and things, whereas last year he didn't have to do as much of that. Yeah, play with the lead is a little more comfortable, yeah, exactly. a little more relaxed. Yeah, you know, whenever you're behind, you, you got to take a few more chances to try mm-hmm. to score. So it yep. makes, makes your game a little bit more risky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so kind of rolling into that, we got So your picks is Clemson. Or I'm sorry, you didn't make a pick. What, well, your I, pick for each I, game? I, I'm going to pick Alabama, and then like I said, I'm going to pick Ohio State in a, in a close ball game. I, I just think Urban Meyer. He just seems like his teams always come to play in this mm-hmm. type of games. That's yeah, exactly that's mine, my, too. That, that's exactly mine. So, yeah. I, so, we're kind of on the same page there. You guys, you giving a chance for Ohio State to beat Alabama? I know nobody else is giving anybody a chance to beat well, Alabama. No, so. I, think, I think Alabama is going to win the national championship. That's my prediction. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, the thing is, I thought that a few years ago, too, whenever, mm-hmm. you know, I thought there was no way Ohio State was going to be Alabama then. And so, I mean, I, I, I lean towards Alabama. They have more talent. They're a more complete team. But, I mean – if if Ohio State were to win, I wouldn't necessarily think it's the greatest upset in the history of you know football or anything like that either. Mm-hmm. So, get, don't get me wrong, I, I could be totally off on this, but I feel like Alabama is drooling over the chance of playing Ohio State versus Clemson. I think if they had a chance to play J T. Barrett, who's not that great of a just all around quarterback, you know he's good runner, athlete, decent passer, but. He's not going to beat you. I think Watson, even though I said he's a little shortcoming in the pass department, is definitely a better chance of beating you as a quarterback than he's I think Barrett will. Yeah. Um, and and whereas a lot of people can't match the talent, Ohio State has Alabama by far can. Um, they could play one on one with any of those guys, shut them down, uh, and then you know them being Ohio State being more of like a creative run heavy team, with which we've seen with Urban's offenses over the years, which is totally fascinating. Me like. That was a great thing about seeing it in person this year, too. I'm totally fascinated by, like, things them and Auburn do where it's really right. not that many plays, but just the creativeness of the shifts and the moves and, the you know, the cutback lanes and the way they block these schemes. And it's just so fun to really watch somebody get that creative with a run game. And, you know, that that being said, Alabama's going to eat that up. Like, it's going to be like running to a brick wall. Right. So, you know, I think to me, if I'm Alabama, bring me Ohio State on a platter, you know, because – I think they can handle them better. Um, Ohio State's not going to stress that defense near as much as I think Clemson could. And Clemson, especially a wide receiver, Clemson's got really good wide receivers. Yes. Uh, two or three probably decent NFL draft picks. Oh, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, that's gonna that's definitely a challenge for Alabama. Always has been. 
athletic quarterbacks have always been a challenge for them too. So I, I just think overall the talent. I mean the talent disparity between the two is going to catch up. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's you can hang with Alabama for a portion of the game, but at some point it seems like their athletic talent just ends up taking over because they can roll in another four guys on the defensive line that were just damn near as good. Yeah, they can start <laughs> for the other team that they're playing against. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so different than what everybody else has to play with. It's crazy. That's the thing. Like, Urban's built a monster there, and he's the only one, if you just kind of go off recruiting stats and who they've gotten – Ohio State's the only one, in my opinion, that's come close to what Alabama's done in the last, say, three to four years, Mm -hmm. and it's still a gap there. I mean, it's not insane. It's not as big as you saw maybe with Oklahoma, who was rolling out, like, top 15 classes against a top three, four classes of Ohio State, but it's still a gap. And I feel like – and the other thing, too, is Alabama's doing this with a lot of juniors and seniors that are experienced and that good, whereas this is still a very, very young Ohio State team that, while it's uber-talented – it's still, I and mean, this is a whole new thing for them. Big yeah. stage, you know. This it's, isn't the same members that were on the team in 2012, 2013. It's, it's almost like this, to me, it seems like this Ohio State team has overperformed from where, I mean, they're so young. Like, to mm-hmm. me, it was like next year was going to be the year where mm-hmm. they had a really exactly. good chance of making that big, big, like, national title run. Mm-hmm. But they, they're kind of a year early, which mm-hmm. is, I mean, which is a good thing for Ohio State fans and stuff. But, I mean, but to me, they're, they're ahead of the ball game for where I thought they were going to be. Exactly. I mean, that's why I picked OU to beat them um, and go to the playoff instead of – although I did put Ohio State in the playoff, too. I thought they would beat, win the Big Ten. I just feel like OU would beat them because they're more an experienced team, you know, that has been on that platform. This OSU team hadn't, but – you know, they were ready to go. They yeah. stepped up the plate and they were ready to go, and now they're in the playoff. And, you know, and come to find out, Oklahoma probably isn't as bad as we probably thought they were at the time. You know, there's definitely a top-10 team. So, you know, that's a pretty big win for them right. to do that that early in the year on the road in Norman. So, you know, they're, they're definitely a talented team. We'll see what they do. Uh, kind of rolling into the national news and headlines real quick. Um, the coach at Colorado, Mac, uh, how do you say his name? Uh, Mike McIntyre. Mike McIntyre. Sorry, was named the Bobby Dodd Coach of the Year. In your mind, well deserved. Kind of felt like did yeah. you have a better candidate? No, not really. I mean, when do you take a team those dead last the last four years <laughs> in the Pac-12 South? Horrible for the last yeah. decade. And, and you take them to the Pac-12 Championship game into the Alamo Bowl with a was it ten? They had nine wins, ten wins, nine wins. I guess well, nine. I was thinking it was ten. Ten, maybe it's ten. Okay, it's ten. Yeah, they were ten. You guys, right. OSU had nine. That's right. right. Ten wins. Well, I mean, you do that. I mean, that's that's a hell of a turnaround. You know now. What's going to happen when he loses all these older kids next year? That's another story. But mm-hmm. I mean, it, it is a pretty impressive mm-hmm. job what he's done in that, in that time period because they they were literally the, the bottom doormat of the Pac-12 for four years in a row, however many years in a row, and now you know they're in championship game. So I, I I'd have to give it to him. Well, and on top of that, they left the Big 12 on the bottom. You know what yeah, I mean? Like they hadn't true. been good in the Big 12 since 2006, 2005, whatever that was. So. Um, since before Hawkins and all that, you know, this is intramurals, brother, you yeah. know, all that. Um, so I, I thought it was deserved. I thought he did a really good job with him. Um, like you said, you know, like we talked about, and we'll get into that game here in a second, obviously this was a bunch of really good seniors that just, you know, this was his fourth year there. So these were the kids he brought in. A really large class that just really knew how to do their job well, knew the system well, knew what they were supposed to do, which is fine. Makes for a good team. Just not a lot of good athletes yet. I mean, like I said, OSU had even out-recruited them tremendously over the last, you know, five or six years. So you're right. Um, It's going to be interesting to see what happens now. But the good thing about something like this is you're going to get a lot of eyeballs from recruits around the country saying, hey, 
And then you get them on that campus. Yeah. Whew, I mean, lights out. I mean, that's a beautiful campus. It absolutely is. Um, you know, and you're, yeah. you're secluded from your parents and a lot of people. It's a really attractive place, beautiful place to go to. So you add to that a quality football team, a Pac-12 contender, and, man, you've got a really good chance to really blow up recruiting there. I mean, Colorado could turn out and be the monster that it used to be and that we think it could be again. So it'll be interesting to see. You know, if you know, you probably won't see it directly. You know, they always say it's the next class that it helps. Like, for instance, the 2015 playoff, you're seeing the results of that in the 2017 right. OU class, for instance. You know, it wasn't the 2016 class, it was the 17. Well, you know, it might be the 2018 class where you really see this payoff for Colorado, but – you know, we'll see what happens. I don't know. It's definitely something that can help them. So kind of going on to the next part. This is the question I kind of wanted to ask you uh, about OSU, and then we'll get into these games real quick. <clears throat> Thursday night, Oklahoma State, you know, put an absolute whooping on Colorado. Um, they It's probably one of the more complete performances I've seen OSU have, and I don't know how long. Um, yeah. I, there were some, you know, some things. There was some room for error, certainly dumb mistakes like number nine. I can't remember. Akum or however you say mm-hmm. his name, that stupid penalty he had. It wasn't necessarily their cleanest game ever. There were some things they left on the field. I thought points they left on the field right. they could have done some more with. But for the most part, definitely one of their more complete, dominating, all three side ball performances. Um, that being said, kind of coming out of that situation, as a result of that, the hype train has left the station. Um, with You had Rudolph and Washington kind of say they're coming back. Now, we do know um, the, the defensive lineman, Taylor, he's gone, right? He's not coming well, back. Yeah. Okay, I thought I saw a something saying he wasn't coming back. But for the most part, you're getting pretty much the team back. You had that big win, and you know, people were looking at the schedule, and ESPN's already kind of started it. I was reading an article on it last night, and there's a lot of hype around this team already. Uh, if OU were to go out and lose to Auburn or struggle with Auburn or if they had some defections to the NFL, guys, you know, if, for instance, both running backs leave, all of a sudden Oklahoma State becomes front and center, Big 12 contender, they're going to and probably playoff contender um, to the point I think it's going to be hyped like anything we haven't seen with OSU in the modern era. I think you're really looking at I know it. I know you probably don't see it now. A lot of people are probably thinking I'm crazy, but trust me, I'm reading the articles. It's coming. Over the summer, it's going to get louder and louder and louder. When the preview magazines come out, when we get to media days, Big Tw- OSU is going to be front and center. Can they do this? Do you feel like o- OSU will be ready for something like this? Can they handle something like this, especially if Oklahoma it turns out to look like um, runner-up to them? You know, and it's well, not I, just – I mean, in my opinion, for Oklahoma to be a runner-up to Oklahoma State, there would have to be quite a few things happen at Oklahoma negatively for that to happen. I mean – uh, you know, Oklahoma State, they are going to have a good football team next year. Mm-hmm. But Oklahoma, in all intents and purposes, as of right now, looks like they're going to have a very good football team next year. And so, I mean, would it surprise me if, if it's them two playing in in the Big 12 championship game against mm-hmm. each other? No, that wouldn't surprise me at all. But does that mean that Oklahoma State is by far, you know, going to win the game? I, 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 I wouldn't say that. Well, you know, I mean, I, I feel like Oklahoma State the last few years has been – just that one notch above, I mean, below Oklahoma. You mm-hmm. know, they they they've they've gone down to the point to where Bedlam or whatever came down to, you know, kind of who was going to win the league. The last few years, it's happened quite a few times. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they've been in that position. Now the the big question mark is is can they take that next step? And only time will tell. I mean, I I don't really know how to answer that exactly. I mean, they're setting up to. 
be able to take that step, but Oklahoma doesn't look like they're going to get any worse, no. in my opinion. I'm so. just kind of curious if you think they can handle being the hunted. Like, if, if they're – because I'm telling you, if it's already starting now, I've already seen two or three articles on it. Um, yeah, I, one of them was even titled something like Oklahoma State locked and loaded, ready to win the Big 12 in 2017. I mean, things like that. They're, it's they're, it's going to build, and I'm telling you, the summer is going to get crazy. And like I said, if Oklahoma were to struggle with an Auburn or something like that, you know how these bowl games, they yes. springboard you into and, and it means nothing. Like, yeah. I've had to convince myself of that. Do not buy into these bowl games that did not mean, amount to anything as a, a result. It's, it's one game. Yeah, it just completely can blind you into so many different things. And, um, in a couple of years, Mayfield's going to leave too. Well, yeah, but he's going to be there next year. So, I mean, yeah, we're talking about next year. So I, oh, next year. So, I mean, to me – are they able to handle it? I would like to say yes. I mean, but I it's mean, just a new dynamic for OSU that they're right. not really used to. So I'm but, curious, you know, how you think they'll handle something like when, this. When is Dee Dee Westbrook gonna leave? He's uh, leaving this year. Yeah. Uh, oh God, I wonder how they'll be without him. But they'll uh, be fine. Um, I just don't know. I just thought it was fascinating that you know that it's. I I don't ever recall seeing this much hype around Oklahoma State coming off a bowl win. As far as next year, no, another time. Oh, it was a great season. We had a really good year. Da da da. A ten win team, but as far as rolling it into, oh my God, this team is going to be for real next year. With everybody, come. I haven't recalled seeing this much hype, and and I'm telling you, I've seen it with other teams. It's going to build and build and build. Um, you know, it'll be interesting because I mean, like you said, Oklahoma State really hasn't been in that position to where they've always been. Like they have a shot. Like you know, they always been mm-hmm. that school that like, okay, if things happen right. Then you know things fall just right, and they win this game right here. They're mm-hmm. they're right; in, they could win this thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they've never been like okay, they're they're the ones on top. Everybody else is chasing them. Mm-hmm. They haven't really been in that position, so that's an interesting question. I've never really thought about it in in that form. I mean, I, I, it'll, it'll definitely be a challenge. I mean, because you know you're used to being the guy, always having to like you always feel like that chip on your shoulder. Like mm-hmm. okay, we know we're good, but we got to prove it. You know, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, if everybody else is saying that. What are, what are they going to react like? That's that's a good question. And and you know maybe we we know we can dominate these nine games in front of us, but then there's Oklahoma. You know we're going to have to handle that. Or it's always something or Texas over their head. You know that they're the t- they're going to hunt those guys. But now and like I said, a lot of it I think will come down to what happens in the Sugar Bowl game. If you know Oklahoma struggles with Auburn, or if we get a surprise and several players end up leaving that we didn't think we're going to leave, whatever the case may be, all of a sudden Oklahoma State becomes that head and shoulders clear favorite to win the Big 12, that's when it'll really take off because, you know, for all intents and purposes, let's say OU wins out and only P. Ryan leaves and then this, the three or four seniors that really make an impact leave. That's most of the team back. A lot of people are probably going to pick them to win the Big 12 and put, would. Them, put them in the top five or six in the country, right? Well, if that's the case, then Oklahoma State, by all intents and purposes, is probably going to be in the top ten. So that's a really high starting point for them. Yeah. I mean, can you? is there a time you can recall where they started in the top ten Maybe. in the modern era? Maybe was that eleven season where they expect to be that good? Like I, I remember they were expected to be good, but I don't remember them being expected to be that good. Yeah, I, I don't remember the, the the preseason ranking of that year. Because I want to say eleven was the year Oklahoma came out preseason number one. Because I yeah. think that's when ESPN came down to Norman and all that. So they still at that point weren't considered a chance to really win the Big Twelve going into the year. This I'm telling you, worst case scenario, I see these two being pretty close to equal as far as expectations go with people to win the Big 12. Well, I mean, it could come down to a double bedlam. It could be the bedlam in Stillwater, then like mm-hmm. a bedlam in the Big 12 championship game. It, mm-hmm. it could be – they could play twice this coming year, mm-hmm. which is really strange to yeah. me. I mean, yeah, when you really think about it, it it's strange to 
take the OSU and OU to play twice in one year. And by no means am I writing off other teams in the Big 12. Kansas State's going to be loaded. West Virginia's yes. going to – it's just this hype I've started to see around Oklahoma State I thought was really fascinating because I haven't recalled ever seeing this in our lifetime really to where – it rolled over into the next year of wow, these t- this is a real serious top ten threat, you know, right off the bat. Because a lot of times Oklahoma State's having to fight from the twenties, right, or maybe the fifteens to work their way up to the pole. They're going to be front and center top ten team right off the bat. Well, you know, and one thing is this: talking about this bowl game height, to me, Colorado wasn't as good as what their ranking was. No. I mean, they're, they're a decent football team, and, and, the, mm-hmm. and the coach has done a hell of a <laughs> yeah. job there, and he, he's really probably done better than what what their talent level is. So I give him all the credit in the world, but. If you're, but you're looking at that team and you tell me that's a top ten football team, mm-hmm. you're, you're crazy. Well, that's why I was saying going you into know. it. That's why I was telling you guys. Look, I know for a fact Oklahoma State's got more talent than Colorado did. I mean, that's why I brought it up in the preview. Like, does that always translate to a win? No, but it's a good starting point. And if Oklahoma State plays consistently like we are used to seeing them play, I mean, I didn't. I'll be honest. I didn't expect him to go out and throw another clunker like he did in Bedlam. I expected him to come out ready to go. Right. And when you already give them that much advantage, I knew for a fact they were more talented across the board than Colorado was. Defensive backs, linebackers, running backs. I mean, Oklahoma State, there really wasn't a spot. I felt Colorado was clearly better than them on the field anywhere, and I think that showed up and played out. And then you give them the fact that Oklahoma State's dangerous anyway, uh, and you give them that much more talent. I just never felt like Colorado was really given a good shot or was going to get a good shot in this game, I felt like best-case scenario, Oklahoma State won comfortably by 10 or so probably. I think I even said like 41-31 I thought it would be the score. Now, I never saw this coming. No, I didn't either. I didn't think this was going to happen. And I think Colorado just got hit so quickly they hadn't seen anything like it. That's what I was trying to tell people. Like, look, they've seen the athletes USC has, yes, but USC isn't even playing as an efficient system and level that OSU was at the time. Well, I think the thing that surprised so, me most in that ball game was Oklahoma State's defensive line was able to control the line of scrimmage mm-hmm. pretty much the entire game. Yep. And then they had a few where they, you know, the bat got out or whatever, which is mm-hmm. going to happen sometimes. You, you mm-hmm. can't stop them 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. But overall for the game, they, they dominated the line of scrimmage. And that, that to me was really surprising. I, I, I wasn't expecting that to happen. And to when you honest. see something like that, that's not a lie. It's not a bowl game lie in the trenches if somebody beats somebody. That's fact. That's yes. clear. That's not a that's not a smoke and mirrors type situation where maybe somebody just really out schemed somebody. They straight up man on man out whipped their ass. Yeah. All the way across okay. So that being said, kinda of rolling that over and like we talked about football's not a transitive game. You can't say if this team beat this team, therefore they're gonna beat right. this team. But you can say this line handled this line clearly what does that say to you about the chances Washington may have against an Alabama or something like that? that because that's, that's Washington where, handled Colorado. Yeah, well, but I th- it's to me that's that just shows me that maybe Washington's defensive line may have been a little bit overhyped mm-hmm. because if Oklahoma State's defensive line was able to control them, which let's be honest, it's it, it's one of the you know say top four or so in the Big Twelve, but it's mm-hmm. it's definitely not the best mm-hmm. in the Big Twelve. So for it to go out there and completely dominate them up front, to me that may that may have just said the Washington. Maybe their defensive line maybe just a little bit overrated, mm-hmm. and if so, if that's true, then Alabama's going to over top of them. Well, and then the offensive line too. How are they going to hold up against it? Because I mean, we know what that defensive line's about at Alabama. It's no joke. I mean, give me that front seven over anybody in the country, over Michigan, over Ohio oh, State, over yeah. anybody. Give me that. They're incredible. Um, they're so fast. They're so powerful. I mean, they're just the total package. So, well, another thing that surprised me in that game too was like uh, you know, they throw a screen pass out, you know, or something, you know. Out to the side there to wide receiver or something, and you'd all of a sudden see you know number ninety four or something making a tackle off the sideline. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you know, for doing that, I mean, Oklahoma State's guys 
their defensive line was way more athletic than mm-hmm. than what Colorado's line was because I you know you don't normally see that in ball games that much and it seemed like it was happening consistently so that means one OSU was prepared to play those guys were ready to go and two they they were just so much more dominant than mm-hmm. the Colorado's offensive line yep and and that's another thing too I felt like played in Oklahoma State's favor a little bit too in this game was. Colorado was running, and you didn't really get to see it, and it kind of sucks because I know I told you guys it's like watching the Texas Tech offense. I've watched them play against Michigan. If you really are curious to see what their offense really looks like when it's right, go watch them play Michigan early in the year. I mean, they came out up-tempo, firing all cylinders, throwing just the the bubble screens and the five-yard slants and the in I mean, just right behind the linebackers, the typical Texas Tech-type stuff. And you just didn't really get a chance to see that come to fruition in this game uh, for various reasons. But, you know – I really thought that OSU would have a chance to kind of have an advantage there because they're going to get to prepare for that. They know what that looks like. They see that every day. Um, Colorado had not seen to this point what OSU was going to do to them offensively. No. I said they might have seen better athletes at USC. but And like I've told you guys all year, I still firmly believe this. At the skill positions, I still think OSU is the fastest team in the Big 12. Um, now, Texas, they do have some track guys at the wide receiver position and stuff, but obviously the running backs aren't as fast as um, Hill, Hill and stuff. And Carson's not slow. Um, you know, and Rudolph's not a terrible runner. You you put all these these the Cowboy back. Jarwin's really good at his position speed wise. You put all this out on the table with McCleskey and Washington and on and on. I just feel like OSU at the skill position is the fastest team in the conference probably. Um, if there's if anybody's close, it's probably Texas. Oklahoma's not bad, but I just don't think they're quite as fast as OSU. So you know, I feel like that was going to be something that was really going to stress Colorado. They hadn't seen that much speed, I think, in short positions out in space spreading them out because usc runs more of a pro style offense right you know they're more in a box than than osu would be so um that's one thing i thought uh kind of get into the other ones real quick if you missed any of them you had the uh you know ksu knocked off a&m 33 to 28 you had good win miami spanked west virginia 31 to 14 baylor we talked about osu we talked about and then tcu they just couldn't quite finish the job uh, against UGA. It came out and knocked them off at the end there, 31-23. Just kind of quick thoughts on any of those games or anything like that. Well, I, you know, the one game I was most sure about was Baylor not showing up to play. And, yeah. And I'll, and I'll be damned if they didn't come out <laughs> yeah. just guns a-blazing and played. And their scheme, I'll give – I mean, I'll give – you know, I'm not big on their coaching staff for various reasons, but, you know, off-the-field stuff. Mm, but, yeah, mostly but, off-the-field yeah, stuff. But They're great I, coaches. I, I will but, say this. They had a very good game plan on offense and a very good game plan on defense against Boise State, and, mm-hmm. and they executed it very well. So, I mean, I, I was worried about them not even really trying to coach this game, you know, kind of being – looking at other places, doing other things, and, and they didn't do that. To, yep. to their to their credit, they didn't do that, which really surprised me in a lot of ways. Yeah, it stunned me. I'll be honest. If you if you came up to me and said, here's $100 and you could bet on one Big 12 game result, what would it be? I would have at least took Boise on the money line, if not yeah. to cover outright. Because yeah. I just I don't remember what the spread was was it five or yeah. seven or something like that I don't I would have definitely taken Boise to win that I just Boise's a really good football team they're not bad they're they're not elite but they're a really good football team they're definitely a top twenty five caliber team probably um, definitely top thirty or thirty five and Boy, Baylor like we said there's just so many questions I didn't see how it was ever going to all come together oh, that's the same way. to be an advantage for them like if it had been one thing here or one thing there it would have been one thing like I knew they had more talent than Boise they've been recruiting way better than Boise. But I didn't feel like – I mean, to me, the biggest one being Russell. I just didn't feel like Zach Smith was going to have quite turned it around well enough to go beat a solid team like that. Like I said, Boise's not going to overwhelm you with talent. They never are. It's just they play their system. They know their jobs. They do things really well. And I just felt like Baylor, if it was not 100% focus 
not all the way there mentally coaches players they just weren't going to have a chance to beat somebody like that and they did they came out the defensive game plan was just brilliant i mean exactly what we said they needed to do shut down jeremy mcnichols make him you know beat you or you know shut him down make the quarterback beat you and then the coverage they were playing was just perfect to stop that boise offense throwing the ball well and you know I, I was just really surprised at how well they showed up. Cause, I mean, if you look at the end of the season, how they ended up, like losing all those games in a row and just kind of looking like it was coming off the rails, mm-hmm. for them to regroup in that three weeks and go out and play that kind of ball game was pretty impressive because mm-hmm. I, I really didn't see that coming at all. I, to me, it just seemed like a total train wreck going down mm-hmm. the you know, tracks. And that's why it was just such a shocking – you know, we were sending out a lot of messages on the game. It was just shocking to us. Like we were – we were happy that it was going to be a good statement for the Big 12 as a whole. You know, we're going to go out and win a game for the conference. And that, you know, they were able to, to kind of put all the BS aside for the last game and go out and do that, you know. There's a lot of things. that It's been a rough year for Baylor. Absolutely. Um, do they – is it going to go away tomorrow or anything? No, like that. There's a lot of things off the field. And, and just to make it clear, we weren't condoning any of that. I mean, I know no. that was brought out by somebody who thought – we were saying that it was basically okay because we were celebrating their victory. No, we were happy 100% about what happened on the field while keeping in mind that, you know, 90% of those players there didn't have anything to do with what's brought this program down. No. They were fine human beings. They deserved a swan song to go out and, and kind of get one last little hurrah on a season that's just been, since going back to May, a nightmare. I can only imagine what it was like going through that. Well, you know, and we we all we all agreed that every one of those damn coaches should be fired. Mm-hmm. Out and, of there. And, but the problem was is that whenever they came out with all this stuff, it was in June. Mm-hmm. There was no way they were going to be able to get rid of all those coaches, mm-hmm. bring in new coaches, a new system, and everything, and still have a football season. Mm-hmm. It, it wouldn't happen. I remember, for instance, OU hires um, to kind of go to that point. OU hires the defensive line coach um, Tibbs after Dyron Reynolds leaves in March. We were talking about how late that was. Like that's yeah. not good for recruiting or anything. Like you know, and that's just one coach, and you know, and that's like we got to get that going. You know, things got to work. Can you imagine what they would have had to do two or three months later, and then an entire staff? Yeah, it could, like it's just not feasible. It, it literally, it literally cannot happen. I mean, you can't bring in someone in June, change the offense, change the defense, mm-hmm. you get all the players on the same page, and go play a ball game within August. It, yeah, it can't happen. Even if you could find the bodies, then finding bodies that are similar, understand the similar system. So that they can come in, hit the ground running, and teach these kids. Because if then, if not, all of them have to get on the same page, agree to what system they were running. You know, even if they all come from different backgrounds. I mean, it just would have been. I mean, it just the mechanics would have been mind boggling. Well, and you have coaches. What are you going to do? Try to go get an offensive coordinator, say from I don't know some. Let's just say Iowa State to come down to Baylor. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. He, mm-hmm. He's already he's already entrenched into the season. He's already got game plans going. Contracts. He's got yeah. I mean he can't you can't get <laughs> yeah. out of that. So I mean mm-hmm. they literally could not put together their staff. Yep. You know it, it was just bad. It's super bad timing. Yeah. They, I, I felt like they as much as they did what they could do. I mean the, the administration couldn't have done anything more other than canceling the season. Nope. Which which wouldn't have been right. For all you know, the kids that didn't have anything to do with any of this crap, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. the the ones that did, by all means, kicked their ass off the team. The coaches, they, they knew they were going to get fired. I mean, it was pretty much a done deal. They they had to hang on for this year because they had no other option. But mm-hmm. I mean, they, I don't really know what else Baylor could have done in that situation. Yep, and and for as many mistakes as they made, I mean, I felt like they had to keep these guys through the bowl game too because, like we said, like we just talked about. You know, having to do that for a season. Can you imagine having to do that in a couple of weeks? Yeah. Like you can't coach without a staff. No. You no. can't just send all these players out there, and you couldn't just let Grove do it all. I mean, you couldn't do him and a bunch of GAs. It had to be a staff out there doing it. So this had to carry out the way it was. 
celebrate it that night and then move on and say, okay, it's time to move on now. We have a rule. Right. Forget all of this. You know, I just thought I wasn't necessarily, you know, like I said, I don't want people to think we were condoning anything they had done. We, I feel like we've been as hard on them as anybody uh, to the point, like I said, we've even been working on a, a show that will come up this, this spring, you know, basically explaining all this to everybody and what you guys may or may not know about it and all that. Um, and believe me, it's not going to be a friendly show. But, you know, that, to me, it was just nice to see them kind of get these players deserve it, the seniors, the ones that didn't do anything yeah. wrong. They don't deserve to be granted that just because they wear a Baylor jersey and their teammates are idiots. Right. You know, there, there was nothing for that. So, you know, I don't know. I just wanted to get that across to people. We, it was not. We well, we even said that we we thought they shouldn't even go to the bowl game. Yeah. It, it was really it was did. in the university's best interest to not even go mm-hmm. to a bowl game to go ahead and stay home, re, get rid of all those coaches. Move on to the rule. Yeah, go yeah. on to the new era and, and try and try to build your team. Yeah. Try just trying to get a clean slate, and get it going now. Don't mm-hmm. waste any time at the bowl game. But you know, on the, on the hindsight of that is, you got to see some players get better, mm-hmm. and, and you know it's going to be better for them next season. And, and you know, like this Zach Smith, the quarterback, hell, like when he he wasn't even going here when all this stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how, exactly. How could, yeah, no. I mean, how, how can you hold how, it against? How him? can you hold it against that kid? Mm-hmm. I mean, he got so much better in those three weeks, mm-hmm. but he had absolutely nothing to do with anything that was going on. He he wasn't even in school at the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so why and, why why should that that kid be punished? For, because he signed up to university that he had no idea all this crap was going oh, on. Oh, yeah, that was getting ready to come down. Yeah, he probably didn't know any of this was going on when he committed there. And then, and, you know, like, so we'd heard rumors and a few things and stuff, too. And then we saw, like, when he took the Mwachiku kid or whatever from Boise, uh, you know, there were some things he did that that wasn't smart. But, you know, we never expected all this. Like, no. I never – when this report no. dropped, like, at first I was like, you know, I remember telling you guys I knew there was something crooked going on. I didn't care for Bryles. Yada, yada, yada. It just felt greasy. The whole thing felt slimy, everything about it. But then it just got to the point where, oh, my God, this is sickening. I wanted to stop. Like, I, I didn't you – know, right. at first it was like I knew it, and then it was like, oh, my God, somebody please turn this thing off. Like, it, this is just insane. It's way worse than we all ever thought yeah. it would be. Like, I never wanted it to be anything like no. this. I was expecting, like, pay for play and, you know, the rumors about Stidham with the truck and, you know, those kind of things, not this. Like, this is not what I wanted ever. So, you know, as much as I didn't like Bryles and I always thought he was uh, fake and, you know, slimy and everything to the camera and one way one uh, around some people and one way around another, I never wished any of this on anybody. No. And this doesn't represent the entire university, the, the, you know, the however, how many thousands of students they had there on campus mm-hmm. or the vast, vast majority of the football players it doesn't represent. This is just select few idiots making really bad decisions and and, and then the and coaches then the, the setting coaches, up a culture to allow it. Yes. that's the problem and, and then the people above them too also trying to hide things mm-hmm. that that's the problem it, but it's even down to the police department yeah with the video but that that doesn't stuff, represent yeah. the actual students at the university or the vast majority of the football players in the mm-hmm. program so you, you got to kind of gotta separate the two mm-hmm. it's kind of like saying you know if something bad happens in your town then you must be doing that too well, that's mm-hmm. not true yeah you, you can't know? whitewash everybody no so while we aren't saying we supported anything no, that went not. down, we did support the clean players and thought it was great that they got to end the season this way after just a tumultuous season of things I just can't even imagine they probably had to put up with. Things they probably heard on the field from other teams, signs, fans. I mean, you can only imagine what it was like going on the road with this team. I bet it was a circus everywhere they so. went. Well, and just um, every day in the media. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and then the constant questions. And, yes. And then your your team, you know, you're 19 years old, nothing you can do about it, but your coaches and your administration are being absolute morons and basically not handing anything out and letting this go away. If they would have, you know, much like we had talked about with the Joe Mixon case, if they would have just letting all this go at the beginning, you know, we'd all be moved on from this by now. If Baylor would have just laid all this cards out on the table when they were busted, when they said, okay, you got us. 
you know, this is clear. You got us. We did the Pepper Hamilton investigation. Here's everything we know that happened that was within our control, not within our control, whatever. You know, crucify us, whatever. And then it would have been moving on, period. Because this country will forgive you. I mean, think people right. will forgive you. People will move on if you come out and admit your mistakes. And they just never done it. And still to this day, haven't done that. No. And that's what's killing these players is this slow leak of information that just doesn't go anywhere. So Yeah, it seems like you kind of get moved on, and then two weeks later, all of a sudden, something else comes out. So now you have to answer questions about that. Mm-hmm. And then it just keeps happening. And then you turn on 60 Minutes, and then your president's kind of stars on there talking about the stuff. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? I it's, con- it's a constant mm-hmm. it's a constant whirlwind. Like, it never – it's like punch after punch after punch. And so just being – here it all is. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. They, they never did that. Yep. And and we'll get into that. We have a show coming up. We're we're working out our off season schedule. Um, you know, we after talking to you guys, doing some polls and stuff, it seems like you guys kind of want us to stick to mostly football. Um, that seems to be the more popular topic. Not that we're not going to touch on basketball. We are and baseball. I mean, you know, me no secret. I don't know if you guys probably don't know this, but me, Brady, Kendall, and Colin are huge baseball fanatics. Um, we love baseball. Played it for years. Um, we'll get into some of that. Hopefully some of you guys are fans of that, too. I know the Big 12, there's some really bad baseball that goes on, but there's also some really good baseball that goes on. Um, This is a great baseball part of the country, so we'll get into that. And then obviously basketball for this conference, even though it's not necessarily our forte or our biggest sport, uh, jockstrap, however, he, you know, that's his thing. He loves it. Um, You know, he'll, he'll, we may be letting him host the basketball shows. I don't know. (laughs) Um, but you know, obviously, this this conference has just turned into like the ACC of the, of the late nineties, two thousands. So by, you know, by far, if you if you're a fan of point guard play, tune in on just about any night on the Big Twelve games, whether it's Kansas, Oklahoma State, Iowa yeah. State, uh, well, West Virginia, not bad at Oklahoma. You know, watch Baylor play. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many good individual players in this league. It's fun to watch, mm-hmm. yeah. and they're going to be going against each other now. Starting, you know, since the conference. I really going. like watching Monk at Kentucky. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. who doesn't? And I know, I know some of you smaller schools that you know don't don't. And see, we've kind of talked about it too. We try to get across. We want to shed light on these of the Kansases and the Iowa States of the world's football programs. We want to reach out to you fans because we feel like, and we see it in the media. If you're not a fan of Oklahoma in football season or Oklahoma State, you're not getting as much attention as a Texas or them. And we know that. So we're trying to bring, you know, give you guys a fair shot of anybody while realizing we know basketball is a lot of you guys' thing. We know that. And we're going to do our best to try to, you know, spit that out there. We don't want to lose you guys as fans for, you know, six months of the year um, just because necessarily it may not be our biggest thing or what we want to do. So we will cover that. We will get into that. All while still on the outside keeping a focus to some degree on football and uh, keeping up. Because football, I mean, let's face it, it's a, it's a year-round thing now. Yeah. You have – Season, bowl season, then you have recruiting season immediately. You've got basically 30 days till signing day by the time they end. Um, well, actually, what's today, the 31st? Mm-hmm. Yep. Usually signing day, I have to look, I think it's the third this year. Usually it's right around the fourth, third, fifth, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, so you're looking at a month, basically, guys. Right. A month and a few days, and we're signing papers for National Signing Day. So it's not that far off. you got recruiting season. Then you got to go into, you know, a lot of times you'll have some moves and coaching after that still. One last little final hurrah of people moving around. But then you got, you know, spring football, and that's a big deal. I mean, especially depending on where you're a fan of some schools, spring, especially in the SEC, spring ball is nuts. I mean, they get 80,000 people show up for these spring games. It's insane, basically, to watch a glorified scrimmage. And Norman, we usually get like 45,000. I mean, to me, that's nuts. Um, and then you have uh, summer, which, you know, we kind of lose contact with some of the programs then to some degree. But we'll still talk about That's when, you know, stories come out. I mean, that's when we found out about Mixon, for instance. Yeah. And Baylor. Yeah, and Baylor. I mean, the summer, that's when things, you know, really get dropped. 
so that that's what will be going on. So, yeah, we'll, we're going to cover into that. We're figuring out our schedule and all that. Uh, look for the recruiting shows to come up pretty soon um, and all that. And, you know, we'll, we'll start getting the other sports information out to you pretty quickly as football starts winding down. Um, I think that's kind of the last. Oh, oh no, one last thing here uh, on what we've seen because we still got time. Uh, real quickly, any of these teams leave you excited for their 2017 prospects? And that could be Big 12 if you want it to be. It can national, just a team that, wow, you really feel good about them. And obviously Oklahoma State's going to be right there front and center on that. But I, well, I'd say one would be Kansas State. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, we talked about it. I know you said it quite a few times at the very beginning of the season. Like, they're 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 basically a year away. With the, with the kids they have coming in, with the young people they have, they're basically a year away from being a football team. Well, you know, with them beating Texas A and M and things going, it seems like they're they're getting that right momentum going into next season. Kind of, you know, I know, like you said, bowl games. As a fan, you can't make it, you know, one hundred percent. This is how your team's going to do, not going to do. But as a player, it gives you a boost of confidence. It gives you something to look forward to when you go to workout. You know, when you're out there busting your ass in hundred degree heat, running mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it gives you like a little bit of extra momentum. Yeah. So I mean, I I really think Kansas State's going to be a player next year. Mm-hmm. I think some people are really. They're not. They're not really necessarily looking at them that way. And then another team. Uh, I'm anxious to see what happens next year is Iowa State with the recruiting they're having coming in. Uh, I'm really impressed with the coaching staff doing there. So I, I'm really excited to see what he does in this. In, you know this this recruiting period and then going into the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Kansas State, I'm telling you, they're going to be really good next year. They got a lot of talent coming back. This was a young team. When we're talking about teams that kind of played, maybe outplayed their expectations. To some degree, Kansas State did. Um, I kind of think we all felt like they'd be a bowl team probably, but I think they outplayed it a little bit this year. They were a little better than we thought to where at the end of the year you really saw, wait, you know, this is what we're talking about. Look for next year because you right. see how much they got better right now. Um, so that that's kind of what we're getting at. Um, you know, they get a good quarterback play next year, and they've got a really young one there that's a really athletic. I can't remember the kid's name. I'd have to go look at the roster. But they got a really young quarterback there. He's very athletic. Um, I, I From everything I've heard, um, Snyder's really excited about him. Staff's excited about what they think he can do. So if he puts it together this spring with, you know, like I said, they got really good receivers. Yes. They got good talent there. They're, I feel like they would benefit the most from a really game-changing running back and a quarterback. Right. If they can get those two together, watch out. Kansas State's all of a sudden a Big 12 contender for real. Yeah. So, you know, because they're, I mean, with the system and the, and the you know, discipline they choose to play with, that's not changing. No, And you add not. into it game player, game changers, and wow, you know. So, um, anything else? I mean, we saw where – I know they didn't go to bowl season, but Iowa State, Kansas, you know, that sort of thing, they all looked really good. Yeah, I mean, they're getting better. I mean, that's that's a, that's the most important – I mean, probably the the best surprise of the, all this whole thing is the the, bo- the teams that have been on the bottom last few years, you're seeing signs of them getting better, which, you know, hasn't been the case in the last few years. But, mm-hmm. I mean, we're starting to see yeah. Kansas play better. We're seeing them give a lot more effort to playing hard. They just need to get some more – you know, they got to have some more bodies in there. You know, we, we all said that the whole – uh, Charlie Weiss thing really screwed them over <laughs> yeah. as far as recruits. Oh and stuff. yeah, I it, still don't it, think people fully understand how bad that screwed it, them over. It hurt them really bad, mm-hmm. and so he has to recoup from that. But but it's, but I'm seeing positive signs there. And Iowa State, I mean, it seems like he's knocking it out of the park as far as his oh, recruiting, dude, his recruiting so far. And it's, like I said, there's there's still quite a few. Uh, they just beat Oklahoma for a really solid defensive tackle recruit, a defensive lineman recruit. Um, and they're not done. There's, uh, you know, in the next month, you're going to see a lot of things get flipped, committed, decided. You know, this is when things really get hairy. He, he's he's put together a really good staff as far as whenever they go into a parent's home, they mm-hmm. they must be able to really talk to them mm-hmm. and make them understand that kid would be good at Iowa State because yep. they, they're doing a tremendous job. There. And, and why Iowa State hasn't quite had a chance to commit the money yet to him that he needs, 
he brings in that newer, more popular. He understands the recruiting world as it is now, not as it was five years ago. That's true. Whereas a lot of these older Big 12 staffs are just now starting to catch up. I mean, Oklahoma two years ago was way stuck in the past, for instance, compared to what Alabama and some – and, you know, that's one of the big powers of the conference, and they were way behind. Um, you know, guys like Iowa State have a younger uh, staff, and Kansas has a younger staff. These guys know what recruiting – it's supposed to look like in 2016 with playing the games and the cell phone. Herman will be that way, you know, the, right. the Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Um, so they, they just need a little bit more dedication from the school as far as money and staff and all that. And, and that'll come, uh, I mean, to me, that'll come too. Cause I mean, I think, I think they're starting to see positive signs. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it's one of those things where fans are usually kind of the last ones to jump on it. Cause it, they, they love their school and everything, but, you know, if we're we got a chance to win, yeah, I can give a little extra money, or mm-hmm. I can do that. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be able to support them a little more. Yep. That's just kind of human nature, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and it happens. You the money, the pockets get a lot looser when people start seeing wins on the field translating, and this recruiting does it too to some degree. They start seeing all these wins in recruiting. They know what that can mean in two years. Right. So that's when things really start getting interesting. So yeah, he'll keep it going there. So. Uh, maybe is there a team? And if not, fine. I know we had no chance to watch a lot of bowl games. Is there a team nationally? you were kind of impressed with or you felt like has a really good springboard in the next season now? Um, if I was picking one, it, it might be – well, I, mean, I think Ohio State's going to be really good next year, mm-hmm. obviously. Because, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, yeah, like we talked about, I, think they were, I thought they were about a year away from what they're doing now. And they're returning everybody. I and, mean, and then <laughs> out, out there in the Pac-12, I mean, it's kind of a sleeping giant in SUSC. I mean, that mm-hmm. quarterback that quarterback yep, they found. Is. Definitely is. You know, it would, yeah, it, w- it would surprise me at all if, if they run off and win Pac-12 next year. I, I think Florida State's right there, too. Yeah, I mean, they're not right. losing a ton of talent either, and they're – and they just keep blowing talent in there. So, and they're going to win Florida here and, and amongst get, these talents. You get Francois another year to being, you know, because he, he, he impressed me last night. Like, he's, he's come a long kid. way. He is. He's a super tough kid because he mm-hmm. took some shots last night that I'm pretty sure I wouldn't be getting up for. Well, even the old Miss game, he got beat to crap early in that yeah. game, too. And he just kept he's, coming. He's a competitor. And he's not what you would call like um, a big stature kid or anything. No. Like, he's. You know, he's not your biggest athlete back there playing quarterback, and he's taken a beating in some games this year. You give him another year, you know, with, with all the all this time. I mean, I know their season might have been a little bit of a disappointment by some people, but with all things considered, starting having to start a freshman quarterback and all that, you know, get housed by yeah, right there. The yeah, then yeah. did you lose your best defensive player third game in the season? All mm-hmm. those things happening, they had a pretty damn good year. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's, it's like a springboard, like you said, for next year. Yep. Okay. Um, we're going to go ahead here, and we're getting ready to start and roll into our, inf- uh, our interview. Anything else you guys want to get into real quickly? All right, guys. We're uh, uh, kind of getting to our OU uh, p- uh, preview here with the Sugar Bowl. Uh, we're here today. We're joined by uh, Kamiar, and he is part of the – what would you consider yourself? Part of the Rough Riders Network, I guess. if you Is that how you want to say it? Go ahead and kind of fill everybody in on what that is. Yeah, we're, uh, we're part of the roughriders.com. Uh, we're just a few dudes that have some – Inside sources to the program, we do a lot of articles. Uh, our podcast is also the Oklahoma Updated Podcast. So, I mean, we're part of RoughRiders.com, but we're just more known as like kind of the Oklahoma Updated crew. That's about it. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that's kind of one of the first follows I had on Twitter. Um, you know, I was one of the people late to the party. I got on Twitter about a year ago. That was one of the first things I remember seeing was the Oklahoma Updated thing that Keegan, I think, had started or whoever um and i do you guys all contribute to that or is that mainly him it's mostly all of us i mean keegan has the most inside sources into the program and uh but a lot of us have connections with inside there um i personally do a lot of editing but we all pretty much contribute to a lot of things on the site see that's what because i mean when he told me 
he told me I was talking to him privately in messages a while back. And it's probably been six, eight months ago. He was telling me he was a college student and everything. And I thought, well, okay, so that, that's why he's got a little more time. But then I started looking. I was like, my Lord, this guy never sleeps. <laughs> so I didn't know if you guys were all posted. I, that kind of makes a little more sense because, I mean, that, con- that, that there for certain times during recruiting and things, that one particular Twitter page is just constant flow of information. So, I mean, you guys do a great job with that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, Keegan, uh, he knows a lot of people inside the program. Personally, I'm at the graduate college at OU, so I know a lot of the athletes' tutors. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I can talk to them because typically they talk about football all the time. So that's how we get a lot of our inside information. They tell you stuff you may not even realize they're telling you. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, I mean, and these are the kind of guys that we follow to get our information for you guys. So, I mean, we by no means have any um, inside information. Uh, We have a few graduates of the colleges here, but – other than that, there's not really a whole lot of inside information here. So we just try to do as much time as we can monitoring tons and tons of sites trying to get information. So, um, you know, we do the best we can trying to get everybody filled in on the Big 12. Um, you know, kind of starting off here, you know, I'm I'm assuming you guys have done pretty big breakdowns for the Sugar Bowl and everything and, you know, podcasts and all that. Um, I kind of want to go ahead and kind of just uh, – we haven't had a chance to interview you yet, and hopefully we get a chance to do some more in the future, but just – Kind of starting off, looking back on this season real quickly before we get into the game, what was your favorite moment, or did you have a favorite moment or play, you know, situation or game, you know, in the 2016 season? You know, what was something that really stood out to you about this year? Something that stood out to me this year, I actually mentioned it a bit ago, about a week ago, was that OU uh, Stoops had just lost two out of three in the beginning of the season, and they were one and two heading into Fort Worth against TCU, and they were down 21 to seven. A lot of people forget that. They were getting their butts kicked by Gary Patterson and company, mm-hmm. and then they just kind of persevered. Uh, starts off with that Baker Mayfield, like you know, stiff arm into the end zone, <laughs> yeah. and they just kind of took control of the game until obviously the fourth quarter when Kenny Hill threw multiple 60-yard touchdown passes. But yeah. for them to persevere, uh, being down 21 to seven in in Fort Worth, um, while they could have given up, was a pretty big pretty big moment for me. So that's probably my most favorite moment moment of the season. Yeah, that's definitely a great one. I, I mean, I, I don't think people, especially people who don't follow the program closely, understood understand how important that was because if you just saw the score at the end of the day, you thought, okay, well, Oklahoma went down there and handled business. But the dark place they were going into that game, um, you know, a place that Stoops really hadn't been in his career here, and then, you know, the entire – not the entire season goals because I guess you had the Big 12 in front of you still, but, you know, this was considered to be a playoff team. And that was out the window basically by week three. Um, and for them to basically say, okay, we're going to buckle down and, and go win this game in TC was big. But that's also forgetting that there was a ton of injuries. We were starting to get into that concussion craze that went nuts for the next three or four weeks. I mean, there was a ton of stuff going on then. And I, I really don't think – I think people underestimate how big that was for them to do that. Yeah, TCU was also the last game Charles Walker played for OU. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> And he didn't even finish that one because if I remember right, didn't they say that – that's what was weird about that whole situation. He basically just said, um, yeah, he told us he had a concussion, and so we had to, you know, earn the game sometime. Like, how did you – that just sounded so fishy at the time. Um, I guess we should have known right then and there that something was going on. Yeah, it's like a J- Jadavion Clowney situation where he's not trying to get hurt and he's not trying to ruin his draft stock because he played the entire game and then all of a sudden – uh, he's out for the Texas game, and that's that's about it. Yeah, yeah, and it just it the whole thing was weird. And there was times where, like the Tech game, 
what really upset me about that the most, kind of getting on a side topic here real quickly, was that we had guys playing a hundred and something snaps. You know, um, Oboe had to basically be stretched. From what I understand, had to be like stretchered dang near out of the locker room. Yeah. I mean, he was exhausted. You know, guys killing themselves for the team, and he can't be bothered to come out there and play. You know, even thirty snaps healthy. You know, that just that really got under my skin. Yeah, it's, it's, it was really disappointing. I mean, especially when you look at Oklahoma's defensive line now, which essentially they're starting all their backups except Jordan Wade, who started in the last Sugar Bowl as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is something that we'll have more depth next year, but th- it, this year against somebody like Auburn, which is kind of foreshadowing, would have been uh, nice. they're going to struggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would have been nice. Um, and, you know, that was, to me, kind of the narrative of a lot of the defense this year. I felt like, I don't know about you guys, you can kind of shed a little more light on this than me even, but did you feel like <clears throat> there was a lot of players that ended up playing a lot of snaps slash starting slash probably will be playing in this game that, for the most part, probably weren't ever a real good shot at seeing the field this year? I mean, is that fair to say? Uh, You know, I, th- I, think, I think it's fair to say. I think that... Uh, Devontae Lampkin probably wasn't even going to play this year if Matt Diamond hadn't mm-hmm. done whatever he had done and Charles mm-hmm. Walker s- stayed healthy or just stayed, you know, like not worrying about his draft stock. I don't think you would see Lampkin. He's a big dude, but he can't stay on the field long enough because he's not conditioned well enough. Yeah, he's not. Uh, yeah, you see that. But he is a body mover. That guy can move some people. Yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a gap stopper. And I think Marquise Overton's actually probably one of OE's better tackles, but obviously you saw him go down early on in the mm-hmm. season. Broken ankle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, and you'll, you'll get those guys back next year, which will be huge. And the plus side of something like this is you get a lot more experience for next year. But, um, you know, it's just it's rough. You t- they took their lumps this year. I mean, you saw the side effect of that much injuries and young players and suspensions and, you know, to the point that when Lampkin came off a of suspension, you were overjoyed because you just needed a body. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, okay, going into a little bit more here. When it comes to the positives of the 2016 season, what was the most surprising aspect of this team? Like what's something you didn't think was going to happen, whether, you know, if offense, defense, whatever. And then to the opposite of that, maybe what was the most negative feature of the team that, you know, maybe just something that punched you in the stomach you just didn't see coming? I think probably the most positive thing uh, would be probably D.D. Westbrook. We didn't see that last year at all. Mm-hmm. We didn't. I mean, we knew he was a JUCO guy. We knew he was highly recruited from Blinn, and we all knew that he was fast, but we didn't know that he had some pretty decent route running skills and the ability just to get wide open really whenever he wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Now, we'll, we'll see if that remains to be the same thing against uh, an SEC team where the referees, they don't necessarily call pass interference like they do in the Big 12. Yep. But D.D. Westbrook is certainly a really big positive, especially being the OU, the OU's first Blinnikoff winner, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. You've had wide receivers like Shep and, <laughs> Shep and uh, Clayton and whoever else. Malcolm but, Kelly. Uh, I mean, just Malcolm stud Kelly, guys, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and, that's and, something we'll get into, too, with the DBs that, that you bring up as we get into the bowl coverage. That's something I want to talk about, too, the pass interference. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, what was your, you know, maybe the biggest negative feature? Um. If you're not talking about concussions because we've had multiple players have to retire from the game. For <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah, maybe on the field something, possibly. Um, <laughs> I don't want to say Mike Stoops in general, but his idea of not keeping Caleb Kelly on the field and having Will Johnson 
play a linebacker in a mm-hmm. three-four scheme where he just gets completely blown up by multiple fullbacks and tight ends. Yeah, the Ohio State game. <laughs> a lot. I mean, there was a lot of situations, but just yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, and Caleb Kelly, I mean, you know, like I said, he was a freshman. Things he had to work on, obviously, but he just gives you a lot better stouter body in that situation. Um, you know, Phil. Anything else you want to add to that? Feel free. Uh, Caleb Kelly, he's a big body. He just makes things happen, really. Uh, did you guys see that after the Ohio State game that Will Johnson was actually in the hospital? Uh, I actually never heard that. No, I, I don't remember hearing that if I did. Yeah, he had tweeted out a picture of him like in a hospital bed not that long after the Ohio State game, and he's had he's been in concussion protocol like basically for the entire year after that game. He yeah. played. He came back for one game, and then he's still in concussion protocol again. So, yeah. uh, just. He played a really big role in this team last year, and this year it's just kind of not there. Yeah, and he's just not built for that. I mean, he's great and past, you know, spread it out past defense type stuff. That's what he's there for. But yeah, and I don't remember seeing that. I don't know if we brought that up. I don't remember seeing him in the hospital. I, mean, I knew about the concussion protocol part. Um, you know, that was pretty much known that he's been out for all year. But I don't remember the hospital thing. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Okay, uh, going on to the next question here. When this kind of get into the bowl game, when this matchup was first announced. Auburn and Oklahoma, what was your initial thought or expectation if you had one? And if there was something that you thought, you know, you definitely thought was true at the time, is there something, you know, is that different now? Like, is there something you initially thought, oh, this is going to be this, and now through studying the game you realize that's not the case? No, my initial thought was Auburn loves to run the ball at a power run scheme where they don't really throw it that much. And being from the Big 12, uh, our, our defensive linemen are usually like 30 pounds lighter <laughs> than anything else in the SEC. So that was my initial thought was that we would have a really difficult time stopping the run, probably. Um, mm-hmm. You probably load the box with eight guys. Uh, Auburn really likes to crash the A and B gaps, so they're going to be pulling a lot of people to go up right up the middle, mm-hmm. which is not really Oklahoma's strong suit when you have Emmanuel Beal always out of position and overrunning his gaps. And kind of undersized so, anyway. <laughs> yeah, 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 like 30 pounds undersized. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's that was really concerning. And then the more we studied it, the more we figured out that um, – that Auburn, they're not really good at stopping good quarterbacks. And in general, the SEC is not very good at stopping very good quarterbacks because their quarterback play is really down this year. Mm -hmm. So the more I look at it, the more I think Oklahoma is going to do a lot of repass options, a lot of RPOs, because Auburn has one of the best front sevens in the country. Mm -hmm. So in order to slow down that front seven from Auburn, they're going to do a lot of run pass options to slow down those linebackers and those linemen to hopefully get some more shots upfield because Auburn, they really struggled with Ole Miss, who they have Chad Kelly and they have a really potent passing game and a really good quarterback. But Ole Miss's offensive line was so garbage earlier this year that they really, they really couldn't get anything done. So that's why Auburn won. But we'll really see what happens. I'm not really sure. I'm not really comfortable in saying, oh, you will win or lose either way. That, that kind of leads me to one of my questions I had was, I know Mayfield this year has been fantastic, and a lot of his big plays have came when he gets outside the pocket and he's able to kind of improvise and make that nice long pass to DD or, or someone out there. And so do you think that they might, uh, oh, you might go into this game maybe trying to get him out of the pocket a little bit, trying to get him away from that front seven? I think you'll. I think you'll see them do what they normally do in the very beginning, just as to feel out Auburn's front seven, because Auburn has some of the best defensive linemen in the country. But if Bobby Evans can withstand 
that rush because Orlando Brown will be able to. If Bobby Evans can withstand that rush on the outside, I think you'll just stay them, let them see what they can do in the clean pocket. But as time rolls on, and if Baker Mayfield has less than three seconds to throw the ball on like often, then I think you're right. I think you'll see them roll them out of the pocket. And then I think you'll have them do a lot of tunnel screens, and there'll be a lot of split back set, sets with Mixon and P. Ryan just for Mixon to go flex out left or right, just to test what Auburn's doing on defense. Basically, Auburn's going to play a lot of one-on-one man, and Oklahoma's going to have to withstand something with a lot of screens and a lot of uh, split back sets and run, run pass options. You kind of got you kind of already touched on this a little bit, kind of going talk, discussing another question. Um, but if there's anything else you want to elaborate on, this will give you a chance. And if not, that's fine. Just tell me. We'll move on. But what is Auburn good at, really good at, that you feel like will be a challenge for OU, like maybe the best thing? And what area are they lacking in that you really feel like OU will 100% exploit or at least attempt to exploit? Auburn is really, really good at running three plays on offense. <laughs> they, they they seriously run about three, three and a half, three, four plays, mm-hmm. but they're all out of different formations. And they all have different runs, like different uh, run schemes. So, like, you'll see them randomly have three backs in the backfield, but not in this diamond formation. It's just like the QB, and it looks like an old wishbone. It's really interesting. But they have about 10, 12 different formations, but they only run three plays out of them. They just have a lot of guys switching around. Mm -hmm. So they're really good at that as far as running and confusing because they don't run a slow tempo offense. They're actually pretty up-tempo, which, I mean, in the passing game, you can really gas somebody, but also you can just overthrow them. In the running game, if you're running up tempo and you really know what you're doing and the defense has no idea, that's just a recipe for getting gashed by like 40 yards, mm-hmm. especially when your running back is 240 pounds. Mm-hmm. It seems to wear but, you out faster, too. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's nauseating. As far as what Auburn does not very good that OU could exploit, I would say probably they're really terrible at passing the ball, like, really 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 awful sean white is not a very good quarterback like for example trevor knight was like the second best quarterback in the sec this year and that's saying a lot (laughs) yeah um so sean white he's not good he throws off his back foot all the time so i think you'll see ou try to take advantage and load the box with eight i don't know how effective that'll be and also auburn's back four they are susceptible to a really good passers and in the SEC, they don't really throw the ball that much. It's seriously just handing the ball off. So we'll see what really happens. Yeah, it, well, kind of real quickly on that, Sean White, he's not definitely not by any means what you would consider to be a polished passer from what I've tell, been able to dig up. But, um, he, you know, he does throw the deep ball decent, and he does kind of throw it up and complete that. Um, kind of even all uh Bouchelle early in the year at Texas, you know, sometimes he just threw those up with his eyes closed and hope they landed. Um, White kind of seems like he does that. Um, do you feel like OU really is going to be concerned about that at all, or do you think that they are convinced, hey, if we can control Petaway and carry on Johnson at the line of scrimmage, this game's over? I think you'll see them have a similar game plan as to what they did versus Alabama three years ago. Basically, oh, really? okay. Yeah, I think you'll see them just load that box to stop the running backs, and then they'll play maybe cover one over the top. A lot of times they'll probably play cover zero over the top um, and force them to pass because what they did in Alabama is that they tried to crowd the front of the line of scrimmage, which that didn't even work half the time against Derrick Henry. But they forced them to pass after they got them down in like third and eight, third and long situations, and that played into OU's. And they'll use hands. So I think you'll have them do the same exact thing there. Mm-hmm. 
kind of similar to what they do with Tennessee too, where they beefed up, were bigger, and you know played in the box a lot more in that game. Uh-huh. You know, what, to me, one big advantage that Oyuzo have going in this game is going to be mixing out of the backfield because you know someone trying to cover him is a tough cover. Do you feel like that's going to be used quite often in this game? Because I mean, to me, it seems like I would be using it every drive as much as I could because I he's such a tough cover. Yeah, so, I mean, this is not 100%, 100% sure, but don't be surprised if Lincoln Riley marches out the diamond diamond package with Baker Mayfield, Demetri Flowers, Samaji Piran, and Joe Mixon. Don't be surprised that. when that happens. I would love to see that again. Yeah, that would be great. Because you're going to have those split wide receivers, probably, uh, what, D.D. Westbrook, and then take your pick of Jeff Mead, Mark Andrews, A.D. Miller, etc., and then you're going to have those three in the backfield. And then don't be surprised when you see that Joe Mixon goes split outside in the slot. And then you you have a running back and a fullback still in the backfield just to see what Auburn does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be great. I would love to, I, I love that formation. And then, I don't know, I, this is a little bit off topic, but real quickly, if you have a short answer on this. Last year, that kind of, I guess it'd be more like the pistol uh, with the two back set behind him split with Mixon and P. Ryan and Baker in the pistol, that formation was just absolutely lethal, um, kind of starting with the Kansas State game and going on last season. Why didn't we see that near as much this year? You know, that's, that's a good question. Uh, I really I really don't have an answer for it, probably because OU's offensive line was just so much hotter this year than they were last year, so they don't really – they don't really need that deceptive point to where they would just have one back. I mean, they'll use offensive line. I think last year they gave up 30-something sacks. It was pretty a lie. And this year they had, like, what, 16? I think it was, it was a 20. Lot less. I think it was 19. But yeah, yeah. Something, something like yeah. that. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that's fair. That's something I hadn't really considered. The offensive line play is a lot better this year, so they probably didn't need it as much. But it was just so deadly last year. I, they bring it out, like, once a game this year, and you're like, where has this been for three quarters? So you got another question, Kendall? Yeah, uh, with OU's uh, defensive line, you know, kind of being what would you consider, I guess, kind of from the beginning of the season to now, kind of like their second string guys, basically being in there most of the time. Do, do you feel like they got enough guys to rotate in there behind them to to help with this run game? Because I mean, it's probably gonna be a lot of snaps, a lot of runs at them. They're gonna get they're gonna get tired. Do you do you feel like there's somebody, someone maybe someone coming back that's healthy or something that we don't know about that will help them out up front? Uh, no. Okay. Basically, Nobody basically, else. <laughs> did you guys watch uh, the Georgia TCU game? Yes. Yes, we did yesterday. <clears throat> All right. So I want you to imagine that's essentially how the defense is probably going to be. Yeah. Uh, they'll hold up pretty well for first half if they mm-hmm. can stay off the field, and they might have some issues come fourth quarter. So because Oklahoma has Baker Mayfield and not Kenny Hill – I'm expecting that if OU can put points up, then they'll be fine. Yeah. But if Oklahoma can keep the defense off the field, that's definitely a forte. So I, I really don't think they have the depth at all. Um, they're starting like their second and third team guys. And then beyond that, it's just like walk-ons. Yeah. So that's kind of really concerning because at, at nose tackle, you have Jordan Wade and Matt Romar, whereas early in the season, you'd have those guys, but also Overton and... Devontae Lampkins actually a nose tackle is not a defensive end and then on the ends you had Matt Diamond and then you had Charles Walker and now you have Austin Roberts and uh, DJ Ward Bledsoe's gone yeah uh, for to like next year next October so there's you're missing a lot of depth there so it's kind of concerning 
especially when you're a linebacker. You have a linebacker that's like 210 pounds. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like to me, <clears throat> going into this game, OU's game plan needs to be to score early. I mean, you, you, need, you need to get ahead of them to, to, you know, make them try to play catch up a little bit. Because if you, if it's a close ball game, they keep running the ball, it's going to be, it could be a rough yeah, day for OU. That's what I was going to ask. If they could get up enough to where they forced Auburn to kind of get out of their element and go to more of a passing game, does that kind of relieve the defensive line some? Oh yeah, definitely. So that's 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 pretty much the goal of Mike Stoops is to get them down, like load the box till it's like third and eight, third and seven, force them to pass, blitz when they do pass, um, and then really try to get them down early, score as often as possible. Obviously, you want to do that anyways, but score early and force turnovers. If you get them down like something like fourteen to nothing, fourteen to three, then Auburn might start to shy away from running the ball. And that's their hope. Mm-hmm. And then if they can get them to shy away from the running ball, then OU in the Big 12, they know most about rushing the passer, so they can just pin their ears back and run towards Sean White. Yep. Yeah, that would work out good. You got yeah. another question? No, I'm good. Um, <clears throat> uh, is, there one thing, is there one thing you feel like OU fans absolutely must know going into this game, uh, something you feel like could be a real factor about Auburn, something that maybe, I don't know, like if there was one thing you feel like they needed to know for information on this game, what would it be? that their best running back, Camp Pedway, he was their starting fullback at the beginning of the season. That's why he's so big. He's 240, 245 pounds. Mm. He makes Samaj P. Ryan look a little small. <laughs> yeah. um, th- but that Auburn also, they um, two things that, like I said earlier, they crashed the A and the B gap, so they're going to be pulling a lot of guards and running straight up the middle. Um, so it's going to put a lot of one-on-ones with the linebackers, especially with Emmanuel Beal up front. And then second, they play a ton of man-to-man, and they're very, very physical um, on the point of attack on the defensive line. So used offensive line might have some trouble. So I'm not saying they will, but they might because it's really tough to see which teams are the best out of the conferences until the bowl games. So Auburn's incredibly physical, and that might play a huge role in this game. Yeah, one thing I noticed is their um, defensive watching some of the film, especially from the Iron Bowl. <clears throat> excuse me, the defensive backs and stuff—they're really great uh, tackling and physical. Like they play up on the receivers, which it's something we've seen play out for years now. When these SEC teams, especially, get into the play like Big Twelve teams, um, they tend to try to out physical them, bang them up early on, get them out of the rhythm. And like even do you notice? Like even you noted, like they don't call pass interference as much as you know. It's not as friendly of a passing environment as it would be in the Pac-12. Uh, to me, that's that's a little bit concerning. And then you can't really, to me, if you're going to try to run side to side on this team, from what I could tell anyway, you're kind of in for a long day. To me, it felt like they were a little more susceptible to the passing game. Um, kind of what was your opinion on that? Is what what is their best approach here? I think, like I said, OU's gonna rely a lot on repass option to slow down that front seven and then you know obviously if those line if those auburn linebackers hesitate one bit you're going to see a mix in either running left or you're going to see a slant out to dd to the left or right up the middle or, or the out so i think the best bet is read read pass option to be honest okay that's fair um <clears throat> almost ra- about to wrap this up here real quickly um what it, well <clears throat> golly excuse me uh, what individual and group matchups are you most looking forward to? Like, what's the most excited one? You're what battle out there you're looking forward to watching? Um, I'll probably say <laughs> OU offensive line versus Auburn defensive line. This really is gonna dictate 
how the game goes. If ODU's offensive line gets a nice push on against Auburn, then the day is going to go pretty well for OU because they can eventually get some stops against Auburn's defense if they're just by loading the box. And if OU gets a decent push against Auburn to where they can actually run the ball for three to four yards and or just get some easy completions underneath, then it'll be a long day for Auburn. Something that really <clears throat> needs to be uh, paid attention to is the way that Auburn essentially kind of lines up against OU. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll see them spy on Baker Mayfield, and if they do spy on Baker Mayfield, then that's going to be a really nice day for Oklahoma fans because if they put a spy on him, especially with guys that are a lot faster and a lot and a lot of guys are running routes in the middle of the field, that's one less person to you know obviously tackle for Auburn in coverage. Mm-hmm. If they don't put a spy on Baker Mayfield, I would expect to see a lot of QB run plays until they do. So. That's something to also look out for. You mean like probably from like the nickel position, something kind of like that, or in yep. that area, strong safety probably, type thing. Probably in probably in nickel. Yeah, yeah. that's about fair. <clears throat> okay. Um, and one thing that you reminded me of, I was going to ask you about. Have you seen Cam Petaway's bouncing thing he does? And if so, what's your opinions on that pre-snap? I have not seen it. What's he do? Okay. Well, he for when and it's to me, it's a telltale sign. I mean, almost like if you're reading a pitcher or a hitter. Um, he when he, he's going to run pretty much between the the I say between the you know in the a gap or the b gap usually mostly the a gap from what I can tell on the highlight films. Um, he he starts bouncing up and down on his toes right before the snap. Which personally, I didn't. I guess as long as you're not moving forward, I guess that's technically okay. But he starts bouncing up and down, standing straight up, and almost like he's revving up his engine. And then when they snap the ball, he hits the hole hard and takes off. And to me, it's like a telltale sign every time because it's uh, – I guess they could fool you with it at some point and try to do a play action or something with it. But, I mean, is that kind of silly to you? Do you feel like these, you know, that could help OU? Is it something they could look for in film? You know, I think that Oklahoma's coming to this game assuming that they're going to run so many different plays or so many different formations with the same exact play mm-hmm. that I'm sure Stoops is a detail guy. Uh, both Mike and Bob. So um, and, and Bob is really, really good friends with Saban. Like, forget throughout the national narratives. Yeah, I've heard uh, that before. All this stuff. Like, Bob and Nick are really, really good friends. So the fact that they probably would sh- share tips is something that we need to, like, believe in because they mm-hmm. actually do. Something that I was going to mention earlier that I just forgot till now. Uh, quite honestly, I don't think the Auburn defense is as good as Ohio State's. And That's interesting. For, yeah, they're, they're really not. And the Big the Big Ten is a much better conference than the SEC is, anyways. But um, I really don't I don't see that I don't see Auburn's defense being better than Ohio State's. And I think a lot of us when we watched OU versus Ohio State, Oklahoma was actually moving the ball really really well on the Buckeyes. Mm-hmm. They just kept on shooting themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a really big factor in this game. Is can Orlando Brown stop getting stupid penalties? <laughs> yeah, and, there's one a game. One a game. Can not yes. turn the ball over? Yeah. Yeah. So, I personally like, I mean, I know the line is like, what, OU by three? Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those things where my head is thinking, wow, Auburn's going to run wild on them. Uh, but it's one of those things also where I have this weird conscience where I think OU might actually win this game with like 14 points. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's I, I keep on going back and forth on it. See, I've done that too, and and everything I've seen too is, it's almost one extreme or the other. Whereas, man, Baylor's this, which or no, sorry, Baylor Auburn is this great defense. Um, their defensive line, which I I know their defensive line's legit. Um, 
Carl Lawson and on Montavious Adams or whatever, they're legit. Uh, they're good. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know. I almost feel like what we're seeing them be successful at, they haven't seen anything like OU's offense and what they're going to do to stress them, first of all. Get right. them out of that box and, and really spread them out. Kind of similar, like we were talking about earlier in the show, kind of similar. We knew how great Michigan's defense was, but look what happened when Florida State started putting athletes in space. I mean, you start fracturing these defenses when they're like that. Um, you know, that, that's one thing that really is in the back of my mind. But everybody's either, oh, Auburn's just a spectacular defense and OU doesn't know what they're in for and they can't stop the run against this. Or it's completely the other end. Auburn's seriously overrated and OU's going to whack them by 15 points. Like, I – I don't really really find anything in between. Um, to me, I'm kind of looking more towards. I feel like if OU, when since you know they're not, this isn't the Big Twelve where you have some really good run games, say like Baylor in the past or OSU in the past, some stuff like that. Where okay, but you also have to worry about them spreading you out and throwing it all over you. They don't really have to worry about that in this game. Uh, I feel like they feel like they can. They think they can, you know, kind of load the box and really mostly focus on the run and kind of take their chances with the pass game. And to me, that kind of changes the dynamic of how effective they'll be against the run. Do you feel like that's fair? I know that was a lot to throw at you, but. No, I, 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 and I completely agree. I mean, I think Oklahoma, and I, I listened to a podcast the other day with um, an, an Auburn beat writer, and they suggested what I also believe in is that Oklahoma is the best RPO team that Auburn will have faced all year and mm-hmm. the only other team that they played that's an RPO is Ole Miss and Chad Kelly which they're five and seven by <laughs> the way and blew multiple games this yeah. year yeah. Um, they, they didn't go to a bowl game and really Chad Kelly and them they played Auburn really really tough they lost 40 to 29 but that's only because of a couple of really bad turnovers mm-hmm. so Oklahoma's is one not only one of the best RPOs Auburn will face this year, but they're also one of the best RPOs in the nation because they have two of the most lethal backs, and then they have wide receiver. They have Mark Andrews, which nobody really talked about, but he had a really bad nagging shoulder injury. So we'll look for him to actually come on in this game because he's actually fully healthy now. Mm-hmm. So we'll see really what Oklahoma does. But again, the RPO is going to play really big in OU's favor, especially if Baker Mayfield has time to throw. If he has time to throw, game's over. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what makes it so hard for me to when I'm picking this game is they're so polar opposite, the things that they do well on both sides. So it, to me, it's one of those games where which which side's going to win out, which which you know, tech, you know, which uh terminology or which uh techniques are going to win out. So I mean, in your opinion, what I mean, do you have a pick on this game or are you <laughs> you, you putting you on a spot here, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I mean, it's something I've been struggling with. Basically, um off the top of my head, I'll go with my heart in this one. Obviously, we'll know more after the first like quarter of the game what was what's happening. But I'll probably say, uh, do you want to score or do you want to pick? Just pick. If Just you got to score, fine. Yeah. If not, fine. I mean, I'll, I'll probably pick OU, and I'll probably honestly go something like 34 to 20, 24, something like that. About 10-point win? That's that's pretty good. That's I mean, it's kind of the way I'm leaning too, but I just – it's one of those things where it's two polar opposites. It's hard, it's hard to get an idea, a feel for it when they're two mm-hmm. totally different type teams. If we could take Baker Mayfield out of the out of the equation real quickly, um, do you have an MVP? Somebody you feel like is really going to you – know, or if you took him off the table, who else do you think this is going to be the biggest factor for Oklahoma in this game? Uh, Jordan Evans. That's, yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering on defensively too. He's going to have to be huge against the run. He's going to have to come up big. I mean, obviously we know that the inside linebacker is the quarterback of the defense, so him to get everybody lined up correctly, especially in the high-tempo offense that Gus Malzahn runs, it'll be a really big deal. So we'll see how confused or how not confused they are. 
Okay. Um, if you have time, real quickly, I have two questions outside this bowl game. I've been dying to ask somebody that covers Oklahoma. Do you have a second? Yeah. Okay. Um, first off, rapid, and this is just your gut opinion. I know we don't know anything for sure. This this is kind of a quick question. Wrapping up the um, kind of the season on on the end here. Um, do you feel like Joe Mixon and Peter Ein, you know, any of those guys? Where do you feel like they're going to the NFL? Do you, are they going? Are they not going? Um, and then, all, you know, any of those guys you want to touch on, anybody. And then also, is there somebody you feel like we really need to be looking for, a la Dom Alexander last year who came out of left field and we didn't see him leaving? So this is kind of an interesting situation. Uh, the site, roughriders.com, Keegan, he actually broke this about a week or two ago, uh-huh. was that Joe Mixon would be coming back to the University of Oklahoma yeah. next year. Nobody, I mean... I saw that honest, get posted. I saw that. Yeah, we've honestly <laughs> caught, some, we caught some flack for that mm-hmm. because a lot of people, because there's nobody has said, you know, it's it's true. But then again, at the same time, mm-hmm. nobody said it's not true. Just yep. We have a lot of sources inside the program that are closely tied to the team that we basically got a really good inkling of this. I heard and he told the coaches. To go ahead and break it. Is that what you guys what? reported that he told the coaches? That's what I heard is that he told the coaches he was staying. Uh, not the coaches, but it would be his fellow teammates and his players. Okay. But um, basically, Samaji Pirine, there have been some rumors that maybe he's thinking about coming back. But to me, I think he's, I think he's pretty much gone. He's he's like, what, 23 years old. He's six foot one on a good day, yeah. 235 pounds. And his running, his running style is just it punishes his body. So regardless if he goes in the fifth, and the fifth or sixth round, he needs to go because he needs to make money while he can. Uh, I really in one more year in the NCAA, that's just another year to get possibly hurt because mm-hmm. he's had some knee issues and some ankle issues. He needs to go to the NFL while he can and earn some money. And with that means him finishing his degree, uh, he can just come back and get it. You know, spend that six thousand dollars in tuition out of the millions of dollars he'll be making in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, never uh, trade off. I would, I would, I would say. I mean, again, we feel very confident at the site at Rough Riders that Mixon will probably be coming back. Basically, uh, a lot of NFL teams have been of him advising, uh, advising him to stay in college another year. And honestly, if he's not going in the top two rounds, what's really the point in all this? So, mm-hmm. if he comes back, a he gets a chance to rebuild his image because we know we know the reasons why. But also, B, he would be the feature back for OU next year, who's returning their entire offensive line and pretty much the entire offense, except D.D. Westbrook, and um, he would get a lot more attention. I want you guys to think about that. Like, Oklahoma, the only people that are losing on offense is D.D. Mm-hmm. Westbrook, obviously, and Samanje Pirine, probably. But even then, if you plug Mixon in, that's still like 10 starters returning on offense. So yep. that's that offense will be extremely potent next year. Uh, as far as the defensive side of the ball, everybody's coming back. That's which what I is figured. Yeah. Really, really nice. And Baker Mayfield and you know Lincoln Riley, they have this understood connection that if they come back one more year and things happen the way they should, the Oklahoma will be making a college football playoff run. They're not going to be playing two top ten teams in the first three weeks. Uh, they'll be playing Tulane instead of Houston. Yeah, yeah. that's a big so, difference. So having all five offensive linemen back uh, next year and another offseason stronger will be really big for OU when they go into Columbus, to be honest. I really don't think there's any guys that you should be kind of worried about. The, the dudes that we were worried about were Obo and Karankwo. Mm-hmm. He was the one that people were like, well, he's a really good pass rusher. He can get after the quarterback. He probably would go in the fourth or fifth round to somebody like the Patriots if he were to go to the draft. But 
he uh, he said no, and then Orlando Brown apparently didn't even submit his papers to get his grade. So that's somebody that's really dedicated to the team that understands the process because he'll probably be a top five pick next year. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. And if I'm not mistaken, real quickly, Eric Wren does he not go to? Uh, yeah, Eric Wren is uh, he. Is he a senior? I was thinking he was a senior. He he was a senior, and then he got another year of eligibility back. So he it will be a super senior this coming year. He'll probably be the starting center, which means you're gonna have seven dudes that have started for his offensive line. But obviously, you only have five to play. So Cody Ford and um, Jonathan Alvarez mm-hmm. will be competing for jobs, which will make the offensive line that, that much, much better, better next yeah. year. Bobby Evans is gonna be a freak next year. I'm just letting you guys know. <laughs> I mean, I I've looked forward to it. I, I we've been talking about it. I know me and Brady follow it real closely. This I just am amazed that the the job beating Bo's done. If nothing else, at how plug and play this line can be. Like if a guy yes. gets hurt, guys slide over, guys move out. Um, it's just amazing, and it doesn't really, you know, miss after that. So, yes, the James Patton and Kittle years are over at OU. Now they have a real <laughs> offensive line coach, though, where they can yeah. rotate guys in and not have a lot of drop off. Yeah. Uh, the other one last question I want to get to, and it's I've been dying to ask somebody this, and I, it's just something that hit me one day. Uh, you may not have a clear answer on it, and if you don't, that's fine. My brain, the way it thinks, sometimes people don't get it. Um, if you kind of look at last, I'll set this up for you the best I can. If you kind of look at the last three or four years, uh, OU's kind of uh, trajectory in the seasons, you typically see uh, some issues early, um, and depending on who they play, it may not work out or it may not come, you know, be a big deal. But you see some issues early, and then you know, whether it be through uh, an event like losing to Texas, they have no business losing to, or you know, whether they just some things come together. Uh, personnel changes get made, things get moved around, all of a sudden they blow up and they take off. It happened last year. It's going to happen this year. It happened again in, what, 13, I think. Um, And then, you know, it's a little frustrating when that happens and then you see, like, an Alabama or somebody, for instance, and I know that's kind of not a really good example to use because they're Alabama, but you see a lot of teams that are ready to go toe-to-toe with people right out the gate. You know, they send a mess. Ohio State comes to Norman and whips us, you know, things like that. Um, is there something you feel like Oklahoma needs to do a better job of, or what do they need to change to be ready to go to where from April, you know, what do they need to be doing better from like April to August, or is there anything they can do better, or is it a change of uh, scheme or idea? You know, what what can be done better to get this team ready to go toe-to-toe right out the gate? I think one of the really big issues, and you saw it this year in Houston, was that, Oklahoma, Mike Stoops and Bob, they typically lean on guys that are uh, upperclassmen in the very beginning of the year, regardless of talent. Mm-hmm. That's why you're seeing Dakota Austin playing cornerback at the very beginning of the year. For anybody that knows, I'm like not was not ever high on Dakota Austin. Yeah. Um, so you'll see players like him playing, and you'll see Hatari Bird and other guys playing because they want them to play at those positions, even though there are guys that are more talented. For example, mm-hmm. Caleb Kelly. He should have been playing the entire year, especially after the Ohio State game. And then Mike Stoops comes out at a press conference and suddenly says, like when the last three games, yeah, we got to find ways to get him on the field. Like, no shit, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. he should have been on the field the entire year. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you'll in the beginning of the season, 
they lean on experience more so than they lean on talent just because they know what they're getting from other guys. Mm-hmm. So that's when you see, I mean, like like you said, the past couple of years, it's usually after the Texas game. It's a shame that it has to be after the Texas game <laughs> when they lose like really like really bad games. Yep. But they make these big adjustments after the Texas game. You'll see they saw they adjusted Tari Bird one year. Uh, they adjusted, uh, I, don't, I don't other guys. Will Johnson was introduced years. that one year, 14 or 15, when Will Johnson yeah. was introduced, yeah. So you've seen them. You've seen them just make uh, just a lot of adjustments after that Texas game or whatever, and then just starts to really gel for that team. So really, just leaning on maybe the unknown, but also probably the better players out of the gate instead of experience. Now next year is really awesome, barring like nothing stupid happens in the off season, like people getting arrested or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Oklahoma can do that. They can do both. They can lean on the best player, but also the more experienced player, which will play dividends if when they go into columbus next year the ou is going to be what was it how say like the second or third game of the season i think it's second isn't it no no it's third the second so, no this was was this one second this year this was third this was okay i think next year's the second then i could be wrong i'd have to go look at it but yeah i it's it's gonna help anyway um and, and that's fair i mean that that's you know that that definitely is believable because that's something we've been telling uh kendall and colin on the show me and brady and then you know the listeners that the guy we were telling him early in the season, listen, the guys behind these guys are more talented. They're more highly recruited. They're better athletes, yada, yada, yada. But then people come back with, well, why aren't they playing? Well, I can't really answer that. But, you know, they, trust me, I know they're more talented. You know, they're supposed to be more talented players. So, um, you know, that's fair. I definitely see that. I was just curious because it, it's something that's been frustrated, frustrating for me to see when it's like, okay, well, why didn't you make this decision in August whatever clicked and, and worked out better instead of, you know, waiting until you had two losses to do it. I mean, when's, when's the last time that Oklahoma really, they had a really good season and then they had a lot of guys coming back and they just clicked right as soon as the season started? Yeah, it's been When's the last time that happened? Um, it should have happened in 09, but it didn't. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. See, that's the thing. It kind of happened, what, in 2008? Eight after 07. Bradford came yeah. back mm-hmm. uh, for that year. And they, they, they were just, I mean, obviously we know what happened in the 2008 season. They were just hot. And then uh, 2000, what was it, 2010-ish, yeah. Yeah. when Landry Jones came out, and that was like his really, really good year, and then like never lived up to expectations for Sam Bradford in his sophomore year. Mm-hmm. That's when it really clicked as well. Mm-hmm. And that, that's about it within the past, you know, 10 years. And then, well, I guess in 04, 05, too, or, you know, those years, too, coming off the national title loss and stuff. Right. But, you know, and and that's something to your point, too. When they were younger, or in the early part of the Stoops' career, they did do that. They did trust their more talented. They did play the more talented guys, it seemed like. So, you know, I, I it's just another one of those battles I have where, you know, people try to say Stoops is the same. He hasn't changed, but he really has. There's things he does differently that he didn't yes. used to do. So I agree. Okay. Um, well, Man, we really appreciate this. Yes, um, you've helped so. us a lot. Even for somebody that follows Oklahoma, you know, eat, breathes, and sleeps it like I do, you've really taught me a lot too. Um, so, man, I really appreciate it. And I'm hoping if it's okay with you and the guys at Rough Riders, we can have you come on and even some of them uh, soon, if that's okay with you, again, in the future. Hey, man, yeah, that, that, sound, that sounds great. I mean, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate you guys reaching out. Uh, and we will definitely, yeah, I'm, I'm sure Keegan and Steven, I think I'm pretty sure they'd like to be on and have this consistent thing. It's mm-hmm. been nice. Yeah, it'd be great. It. I mean, we need some, some Oklahoma voices. We don't, 
you know, even though it's an Oklahoma show, there's, we're in the state of Oklahoma, we just don't really have a whole lot of voices from the OU side of things. So, yeah, that'd be great. We'd really appreciate it. Um, again, this is Camiar. Um, do you want to spell out your handle and everything so they know where to find you and everything real quickly? Because I'll screw it up. Yeah, so uh, on his Camiarabian, and basically my, my Twitter handle is at Boom OU Updated. So just Boom, and then OU in all caps, and then Updated. And then uh, we're just from the Rough Rider crew, roughriders.com. We have a lot of stuff coming to the site. It's R-U-F-F, then, by the way. What? That's R-U-F-F, by the way. <clears throat> yes, the, yes, R-U-F, writers.com. And then um, that, that's about it. And uh, I just don't want you guys to forget that OSU lost to Central Michigan. Yes. <laughs> we, 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 don't worry, we haven't forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, At the man. end of the season, it'll say 10-3, and three, not 11-2. Not, not uh, the star, yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. I appreciate right. it. Thanks, Thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh-huh, no problem. Well, thanks. Bye. Um, so that was uh, Camiar from from uh, the Rough Riders crew there real quickly um, kind of closing this thing up and wrapping this thing up is there anything else you want to add um, you know about the Sugar Bowl any questions anything else you want to throw in about it we didn't really get a chance to do us but that's fine no, I mean no I mean every everything that I would want to go over we went over with, with Camiar uh, the he answered my questions that I had going into this about mm-hmm. the you know, defensive line play and everything so I, I'm just kind of looking at uh, this game from my point of view, I I have a hard time picking this game just because, like I was telling you earlier, they're so polar opposite. Mm-hmm. I know. Th- that's they, what they you know, just when, don't when, match when, at all. Yeah, they don't match up very well. I mean, what what OU does good, Auburn struggles at, and what Auburn does good, OU struggles at. So I mean, it's kind of like one of those games where you're 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 waiting to see which side breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's that's what's so tough about picking this game. But I mean, it, it, if going in this game, I would go with OU just because they have the ability to hit the explosive play. Mm-hmm. Whereas Auburn, it's going to be more of a grind, grind you out five yards down the field, you know, just, you know, keep going, churning and burning. Whereas OU, they can score at 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. It's two different animals. So if I had to, excuse me, if I had to pick one in this game, I, I'd pick OU just because they have more explosive ability. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to me, <clears throat> if the thing that keeps coming up to, to me in my head, if this was next year and Auburn had Stidham with this defense, I would be really worried going into this game. That's true. Um, even if White, or the quarterback, if he comes back healthy, I, and, and there's still some – some, it's not clear if he even is going to be 100% healthy. It's, it's kind of like the Colorado situation with their quarterback, Lufau. We don't even know if he's going to be all the way right. right. But it, let's say he is. Um, they still use some of the other quarterbacks in the run game and stuff like that. So that tells me they don't 100% trust him all the way. Um, or or maybe he just doesn't give them the best playmaker ability as the other ones do. Um so I keep getting back to the fact that, if nothing else, even as bad as Oklahoma's defense has been at times this year, they've gotten a lot better in the last three games against three much better offenses, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, um, forgetting the third one that they played right there at the end. West Virginia? West Virginia, Oklahoma West State. State. Um, who was the last of the three they played? <clears throat> Baylor? Was Baylor? I think it was Baylor. Yeah, I think it was Baylor. Three point three offenses right there, pretty good together. Um, they averaged t- only giving up twenty four points in that span against three really good offenses. Uh, twenty eight was the most to West Virginia, I guess, or whoever that was, Oklahoma State. One of them they gave twenty eight, but the rest of them it was twenty four points average against the three offenses. Those were much more dangerous offenses. They all three run the ball pretty well. Now, granted, they don't have two hundred forty pound Cam Petaway that is like trying to tackle a semi truck, but. They do run the ball very well. They have, you know, a really great passing game to, to distract from that too. 
what I keep going back to this is Auburn doesn't. They, yes, it's going to be tough, and our defensive boys better eat their Wheaties because they're in for a long day trying to tackle Cam Petaway and carry on Johnson. If you want to kind of compare it similar, it's kind of like Joe Mixon is carry on Johnson and Samaj P. Ryan is Cam Petaway. They're different, two different style backs. Johnson will come out of the backfield. He'll stretch the defense with his speed, but it's still focusing on just the run game mainly. I feel like they can – and, and traditionally, Stoops has been good against that. I mean, in the old days when Oklahoma had dominant defenses, they were great against the run game. You know, I, I feel like he knows how to game plan for that. So that being said, I feel like that combined with the fact that Oklahoma, you're not going to hold their offense down all day. Even if they do have a really good defensive – I mean, you know, on a, on an average day, Oklahoma can put up 30-something points. Right. And I feel like if you break 21, you got a good shot at this game. So um, yeah, I'm going to go with Oklahoma just because of that. If Auburn had a better passing game, I would truly be worried in this game. Well, you bring up a good point. If they get stood up next year, which it kind of looks like that's the direction it's, it's going. Like, yeah, it sounds I, like it's where they're going to They're going to scare people in the SEC because mm-hmm. he could throw. Yep. So it's going to be that's going to be interesting next year. I mean, I know obviously that doesn't have to do with this game, but, I mean, you brought up mm-hmm. a good point for next year. That's going to be interesting. And Auburn gets athletes. Oh, yeah, They recruit absolutely. athletes, ridiculous athletes. So they got a lot of speed. And that's the thing I noticed on this tape, too. They got a lot of speed, especially in the secondary. They, that's why I said I think running outside is kind of a lost cause because until you open it up because they what I kept seeing on film even against Alabama on that breakdown of their film over I watched it over and over again they got to the boundary in a hurry and it was groups of four and five guys you don't do that to them they will if you don't go downhill at them they will beat you there and beat you up all day and that's the reason why I think Mixon's going to be big coming out of the backfield because if you get him on a linebacker going up the field that that's a big plus mm-hmm. I mean I agree with you you can't go side to side no. I mean with any you play a good SEC defense which this obviously this is not Alabama but they're they're, they're good. good they're good yeah. You can't you can't run sideline sideline. No. You just can't do it. No, and 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 to me, they can kind of use that against them also. Aggressive, they are a very aggressive defense. Like they sell out to do things. So, like I said, they tackle in numbers. Four or five guys are flying to the ball. So you can fool them with some play action and things like that, which OU loves to do, and Baker's very good at. So yeah, I, I could see Baker, you know, faking a stretch play and rolling out the other side of the field, and there not being anybody over there. I mean, they get that aggressive on stuff. So defensively, if <clears throat> Auburn has a chance at this game, on the defense side. They've got to keep Baker in the pocket, mm-hmm. make him throw from the pocket. You yep. know, because he's he's the master improv guy. And mm-hmm. when he gets outside, he's so deadly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll give the guy all the credit in the world for that. He he gets outside, he's dangerous. Yep. So I mean, I, they from an Auburn point of view, they're going to have to try to keep him in the pocket. And if they can't do that, it might be a long day. Yep. And, yep. And uh, anything else? Final thoughts? Scores you want to throw out? Jockstrap, you got anything you want to throw out real quickly? Score wise, uh-huh. you gonna pick who you gonna pick to win? Uh, Auburn. Auburn, all right, all right. That's all right, man. If they show up defensively, well, it's going to be a long day. Well, I mean, I, I'm one of those guys. I, I'm leaning towards OU just because of explosive plays. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if OU doesn't hit some explosive plays, it very well could be Auburn winning this ballgame. Yep. All right. Um, you want to throw a score out, or is that it? Uh, uh, if I was throwing a score, I'm going to say 31-24, somewhere in there. Yeah, that's, that's about what I was going to go. I'm going to say 34-27. That's what I'm going to uh, go. Uh, or 35 27. I'm sorry. I might say 33 24. All right. Auburn. All right. Um, we'll be back uh, soon. I guess probably, I don't know, after the first of the year a little bit. Uh, we'll, we're going to have a, a kind of a bowl down, uh, probably a bowl breakdown show, but it'll actually probably just kind of be an end of the season wrap up. Um, you know, we'll probably try to spread it out over a couple shows, different teams, so we can really kind of project what these, we think these teams are going to do next year also. Um, Big 12 is going to be so much better next year, it looks yes. like, guys. Um, 
I really, I believe that. I firmly believe that this conference was ugly this year, um, but instead of it only getting worse, I think it'll get a little better. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, and actually, I mean, they're, they're showing up in the bowl games. Yes, I mean, and they're they're playing well in the bowl games. I mean, uh, I mean, Texas, uh, TCU, they played a good ball game yesterday. They they just ran out of gas. Yeah, I mean, they just didn't have enough defensive linemen, you know, to, to withstand that running game yep. for that long. But I mean, yeah. they, they played a good ball game. It, it wasn't like they didn't show up to play. Yeah, they were bad. If they would have had more depth in the front seven, they would have won that game. It'll yes. put it away. They just couldn't hold up any longer. No, because I mean, uh, Georgia did nothing in that first half, pretty much, other than the two break plays they had where they just went long. But. Right. So, um, yep, thanks for showing up, Big 12. That's great. I mean, it's like we said going into this season, or this bowl season, we said these are winnable games. This, and we said about 4-2 and two is what we thought they would do. If Oklahoma wins, that's exactly what they're going to be is 4-2. Right. and two. So, um, you know, and uh, granted, I thought the Baylor one would be one of the losses, but all in all, they did great. So um, we'll get back into this stuff next week. Enjoy the playoff. Have a safe New Year's, guys. Um, you know, we'll, we'll come back with a brand new kind of system and everything after the first year and what we're going to do. We'll figure all that out and we'll let you guys know as well as some blogs and stuff. Don't forget to visit the website, bigxiicountry.com, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, Kindle does a fabulous job um, on that. So if you if you see him on Twitter, you know, tell him thanks for that. Um, Colin and, and Brady kind of run the Facebook stuff and I do the Twitter. But uh, go to our Twitter pages, Facebook pages. Listen to our podcast. Please rate it. We prefer five stars. I know <laughs> if we, we may not deserve five stars, but it'd be awesome if you could do that. Five star. Especially on iTunes, that really helps us a lot because the way that system works, it'll get us up the boards. Um, so anyway, uh, thanks, man. It's been a great year. This has been just absolutely nuts. It's been a fun ride for us. It's already bigger than I thought it would be um, <laughs> with all the websites and everything. So we very much appreciate the loyal listeners we have. If you have people you know are interested in the Big 12, let them listen to our show. I know podcast isn't quite a full – not everybody does it yet. Not everybody enjoys them or listens to them. If you listen to radio, in my opinion, you should listen to podcasts. It's about the same difference. So And no commercials. Yeah, and no commercials. And, you know, we're going to be straight with you. You're not going to have to worry about us being filtered or having a media agenda to fit. So, um, you know, give us a chance. Let people tell your parents, cousins, sisters, uncles, friends, whatever, um, to give us a chance. So – Anyway, uh, we'll get, we'll see you guys again after the first of the year, and until then, stay safe. Until then, everybody say bye. Bye. Happy New Year. Thanks, guys.